Hey gang, this is Fillmore, just letting you know that if you enjoy our podcast, quite frankly, a Howard Stern podcast, and you'd like to donate some money for the upkeep, uh, or you want to request certain clips, please donate to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash jimfix. That's J-I-M-F-I-X-X. You can donate as much as you want for as long as you want. There's absolutely no obligation. Ralph had one of everything, and then I would put on my underpants... And then, and then I would sashay out. And then, yes, and then I parade around. And then, in order to feel more comfortable, we pretended I was at a gay club, walking around in just my underpants, and to see oh, if wow. everyone at the gay club enjoyed me. And um, and when we voted on my underpants look, and that was really gay. You know, I was very gay. It, it sounds gay because yeah. it was just the two of you. Yeah. And then even Ralph said, you know, you don't need to keep. Um, Parading around, why don't you just try them on and whatever ones you like, we can order. Right, he he doesn't need to see you. Yeah, and I go, <laughs> what's the matter? You don't want to see me? <laughs> Joe, hi, you're on the air. Hey, hey man. Howard. Yeah. What's going on? And nothing. Listen, I think uh, it's time you come out of the closet with Ralph. Oh please. Because I know, you, I know deep down, I mean that literally. All right, so I'm a homosexual. You're a, you're a sword swallower. Right, I'm a homosexual. You're right. Right. What can I tell you? I'm caught. Good. In fact, that's good. That would be easy. I'd love to be gay. Be so goddamn simple. And then, then, then when people ask me about why I'm separated from I just go, you know what? I'm gay. Twenty <laughs> percent of American men had at some time in their lives at least one homosexual experience. Now you told me every man did. Yeah, well, every man has, but only 20% will admit to it. It's a pretty embarrassing thing. Every guy has at least had a uh, sword fight. Now, wait a minute. Would you say that just because you had and you want to believe that every man does? I never had a sword fight. Not a sword fight, but you had a homosexual experience. Yeah, well, yeah, if you want to call it that. I mean, I was a little, I was a young child, of course. Just label every man. Every man has had some kind of homosexual experience. I'm like, I, I watch every movie. I gotta tell you, I had the same thing for a while. Like, when I first started therapy, you kept asking me about, like, gay feel, like, you know, gay this, gay that. I go, oh, yeah? Dude, let's cut that shit right now. <laughs> I said, I got no problem with gay people. Dude, I'm, I don't have, I'm not gay. Because, yeah, but, you know, you have to explore that side. And I go, bullshit. I'm not exploring that. I got no problem. Yeah, what do you mean, explore? <laughs> <laughs> I like chicks, dude. <laughs> hey boys and girls welcome to quite frankly a howard stern podcast i'm your host fillmore aka jim fix aka fillmore fingers and with me of course is my wonderful co-host sam hi guys i've missed you yes she had a little uh little rest for about a week while uh, raven filled in and going yeah. forward just to let you know, it wasn't so much fill in as Raven's back in, uh, f- she's going to be back full time, more or less doing the breakdowns with me and Sam's going to uh, do the other, uh, basically we're going to be tag teaming for certain aspects of the show. But when Sam wants to come in on a breakdown for whatever reason, she's, she's obviously, uh, can choose to at any time, but Raven does the mockery thread. So she's also very well versed in like the minutia of any given day so she's really excellent at it and she did a great job last week so thanks raven. i love you raven you make my life so much better thanks <laughs> fucking christ 
<laughs> so this one, guys, is the Jump the Shark episode we promised for a while, and uh, you won't hear this for a couple weeks, but um, we decided, I, I thought it would be a good idea to get more fan input from QF fans, and uh, we're, we gained a lot this week, actually, so welcome to all the new members. And this is a, a nebulous topic, but I find it fascinating because everybody has their breaking point with anything. It doesn't matter if it's food, doesn't matter if it's um, some kind of like clothing line or a TV show, or in this case, say, you know, friggin' fruit fest of a radio podcast. And, um, and I thought it would be good to get some input from all of you guys. So we're going to hear some live, not live, we're going to hear some pre-recorded clips. And I apologize in advance for some shitty quality because when my wife was teaching, that was the time I had to record some of these. So I sound like crap and the other people might sound a little better than me so those mics are were shitty when i used them the ones no. I and, you know what? your sound quality fillmore well it's fine <laughs> i mean you know no for some of them honestly it really it sounds like a, a shitty like an attempt at a podcast and uh but they sound good so uh, i apologize in advance for that but uh before we get started um i, I thought maybe we could start by reading a couple Okay, so the first one we are going to read is from our beloved Josie Wales and mm. adore you. Mm. So Josie Wales says, by the way, I love that everyone has something different to say. I think that's even more of a interesting study. You'd mm -hmm. think that more people had more of the same opinion, but they don't in this, which is no. incredible. Mm -hmm. Josie Wales, I've decided on my answer. It's when the show became centered around Howard only. Back office shows went away. No replacement for Artie. No other shows on 101. This gave Howie the opportunity to let his narcissism run rampant. There were no other opinions but his on 100 and 101. It'll engulf a lot of the answers to when it jumped the shark, but boils it down. Which... Yeah, that's yeah. a good answer. And actually that, so if we're going to give a year on that, uh, when already obviously 2010, when he, the beginning of 2010, when he was clear he wasn't coming back, but then the time he got rid of the other shows would have been the Marcy Turk era. So we'll say 2013. So but I like the way she phrased this when she says, mm -hmm. when the show became centered around Howard only. Now, it yep. was always the world of Howard Stern, but sure. the world of Howard Stern encompassed so many people. It encompassed, mm -hmm. like she said, the back office staff, mm -hmm. the, the people who were in studio all the time, the comics, yep. the whack pack. Everyone had their part to play, and they played it well. And I think it's really um, great the way she said that that it became only about Howard because it did one hundred well, and one Oh one is just now replays. Yep. And, and not <laughs> particularly good ones. And people are bitching about Sternthology. Like I've never seen before. People would often bitch about the re the repetition of stuff because so much of the, he made such a big deal about the archives and making sure they came with them, but they curated them in such a way that you only hear the same Kinnison clip, the same, and Chris Rock came in and complained about it because it was always the history of Howard Stern and he gave him shit like, and now, and then Howard went to Washington and, and uh, he, uh, Howard oh was clearly God, upset by it. Oh my God, it's even worse now. Do you want to hear Amy Schumer again? Oh, <laughs> it's awful. It, because basically people are saying it's nothing but post 
I don't know, 2015, something like that. So we do have some audio, as I said, and first I'm going to talk in this one. This is from Gina and, uh, who's a fellow Canuck, French Canadian. And, uh, she sent this in for the purposes of the show. Some people wrote in, some people decided to record on their own and other people I was able to record personally. So you're going to hear the, the gamut guys. And here we are. Hello people. Gina Bobina here coming at you not live from Montreal, Canada. Thanks for having me on you guys. So fun to be part of today's episode. Yeah. Sam? I love hearing her voice because we we see her all the time on our page and on our YouTube. That's so nice. I'm so glad well, you decided to do that. Well, yeah, it's um and she I Hi, think Gina. Was, she was, um, and also our condolences on your grandmother's passing, Gina. <clears throat> it's really sad when you lose someone in the family, especially a grand grandparent. Yeah, thank you for doing this, and we're with you. And I, uh, basically, she was really anxious about um, being on mic, and it was tough to coordinate a recording. So she decided. I just said, "Look, just record something with your phone, and uh, we'll work from there." And so the sound levels might be a little low. I had to tweak some of these things. And like I said, guys, apologies in advance. It's going to be a good one. I just know it. Ugh, how do you know where to start? All right. So I'm not too sure if I started watching the late night TV show or if it was the radio show, but. I got hooked from my first episode. It was around 93, 94. It was the early teens for me, and I fell in love with like all the, the chaos that differentiated the show from any others, on at the time at least. I loved the Whack Packers, the office drama, the just all the wars, the FCC, I miss Opie and Anthony. Oh my God, so many stuff to mention. I don't even have enough time. Uh, the roasts, pretty much anything except for Howard. God, I couldn't stand him from the beginning. Honestly, if the show wasn't named after him, I think he'd be replaced a long time ago. <laughs> Go ahead, Sam. Oh my goodness, she sounds just like you. God, I couldn't stand him. Opie and Anthony, she has this enunciation just like you do. That's so Canadian. I love this. <laughs> really? I don't. I, I don't hear the similarity. But you anyway. don't. You don't hear it. <laughs> no, uh, I don't I have to re-listen. I suppose. He was just annoyed me. I don't know. You guys know. You could just tell. <laughs> you could read through the phoniness. I don't know. I loved when Gary put him in this place, but we don't see much of that anymore. Gary, Sal, like all the outspoken callers, they've been pretty much muzzled and I know it's kind of boring ever since, just too produced. The show is like way too celebrity related now, it just doesn't do it for me anymore. Although I hated the mean bits like the Anna Nicole Smith interviews and all that stuff, what kept me really listening was the genuinely eccentric band of characters all working and fighting together. The funny phone calls, the the co-worker and personal appearance drama. Love Ronnie. Oh my God, I love Ronnie and his block party <laughs> stuff. I don't listen to live episodes anymore, but I don't really think I'm missing anything. No. The show has pretty much gone downhill since 2013, I would say, in my opinion. These days, I'd much rather watch older episodes with you guys. 
my fellow QFers. Anyway, that's it for me. This is Gina Bobina saying 143. So, uh, now that One, Sam has four, her, three, Sa- Gina. Sam has her nude girl crush, um, the uh, that's <laughs> <laughs> the uh, it's all it's all in a voice. Gina, you have a career. If you if whatever you're doing, you you always have a career in radio. If you want, um, I think that's uh, I thought that was quite succinct because I was the same way. It, it was it wasn't a while before it took a while before I realized I hated How- Howard was the weakest link on his own fucking show. He absolutely was not the draw at any one point. Well, here's what's poignant about Josie said when he made it all about him. And then Mm -hmm. Gina said the band of characters, the misfits, the the characters that they had on the show that meant everything to everyone that Mm -hmm. they just stopped talking about. I'm going to read next from Felix, uh, one of our... Germanic sounding uh, fans, although I can't remember exactly where he's from. Um, This is his reading. So here is my jump the shark moment of the Howard Stern show. And boy, oh boy, it wasn't easy for me to narrow it down to one particular event because one could argue that Howard would always end up betraying his core audience the moment it suited him. And I would agree with that. But being that as it may, I think that the bro fight was the tipping point. Artie was the star of the show at that point, and much of it revolved around him and his escapades. He was the most popular member of the show, and by far the most talented since Billy West left, and we can all imagine how that must have stuck in Wiggy's tendrils. It was, and, it, <laughs> and it was obvious that Stern wanted to stick it to Artie with the constant exploitation of his addiction, which Artie helped bring along, the, quote, accidental, unquote, revelation of things Artie confided in him privately, and the focus on how grotesque Artie has become, culminating in the infamous segment that would lead to the bro fight, which I believe Sam and I have agreed we are going to do a breakdown of that whole saga, which should be incredible. I know Bob D would love that one because um, psychologically there's so much going on. Um, yeah, people, um, since the NPD episodes especially have requested the bro fight because I think it um, kind of ignited that feeling where they thought, holy shit, you need to do the bro fight after mm-hmm. hearing it. So I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, that entire segment was designed to mock Artie. That much is clear, and Artie saw through it immediately and used his superior wit and just sheer maliciousness to tank the segment. On the next show, Robin instigates that entire fight with the whole he called you a jerk lie. Howard and Artie clashed, although it was very one-sided, pummeling, uh, a very one-sided pummeling with Artie easily dismantling 89's (laughs) repetitive horseshit. It's 79, but that's okay. Still low enough. Yeah, Sam? It's totally 79, and he's... A hundred percent correct. This is why our fans are so intelligent. Mm -hmm. I love the fact that they can, um, the things that we discern, like, especially during these arguments where I think, Mm -hmm. God, am I the only one that's picking up on this? No, all of them are so smart. Especially when you re-listen to this stuff and the bro fight in particular is amazing because he says so little, already says so little and just lets them punch, punch themselves out. And then all of a sudden. All of a sudden, it's like, <laughs> Artie, uh, do, 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 you know, were we, you know, do you think we were helping a brother out when you felt up uh, Carmen Electra's tits? And he's just taking his time eating. He goes, um, no. 
so true. I'll, I'll answer you in my own fucking good time. Uh, so that moment to me cemented the thought in Howard's head that he had to get rid of Artie somehow or, or another because he eclipsed him and had the audacity, he had the audacity to fight back and make Howard look like a total idiot. This is where I think the idea of this show has to be all about me a hundred percent of the time has its origin. Um, well, it, I mean, in, in a sense it was, Oh God, I'm saying in a sense, quite frankly, uh, the fact of the matter is that uh, no, he, it was always about Howard at its root, but it was, um, definitely a moment where he felt he felt fuck it i'm getting overshadowed by this drug addict <laughs> like this guy's on drugs and he's better than me how must that make you feel if you're a host of this show for like decades and it's your name on it but anyway thank very good felix i i agree with that one that's a that's a an amazing moment of the show history you know what i felt like when artie would when he did sit there during those fights and just kind of sat back and let things happen he's like and kind of <laughs> i felt like it, it's like a shield in street fighter like they go hadouken like it's just like do you know what i'm talking about wow when, they, when like they do that hadouken it's like that shield like i'm not i'm not listening to this i'm going to completely fuck you up right now and you're not going to have anything to do with this it's special here look yeah uh, it's it, well, street fighter reference all the the dorks in the audience are now like <laughs> getting the jergens out oh my god that's just such a good one it's such a good move okay so next we're going to hear from uh manny uh who had this to say about his jump the shark moment oh he did one i'm so excited what's that I didn't know he did one. I'm so excited. Yep. Now, who's uh, coming out of East Coast, uh, United States. And Manny, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Fillmore. Uh, I started listening to, I like to call him Hop Along Howie <laughs> from the movie. <laughs> he did that to himself, kind of. Uh, yeah. I started listening to him, I want to say, in the late 90s, mm -hmm. back in my factory when I was working at a few factories. I'd have him running in the background and stuff. And then I'd also used to watch in the mid nineties. I think I used to watch the E show too. Mm -hmm. Grew up with that. And then eventually when I had a, I had a delivery job, I, uh, I got serious and I would listen to him during work all day long. And that's of course the better years. That's the arty years and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, after I got, done with my delivery job uh, he kind of just kind of went off the radar and i would try to catch up to see what's going on here or there maybe on youtube but even then there was hardly that much you know youtube material out there mm -hmm. back in mm -hmm. uh i want to say what 2009 2008 probably or whatever that was and then uh when did the show jump the shark i hate that i hate to sound unoriginal and i i was trying to think of that um it has to be when he became hollywood howie right Okay, so for uh, that's that's, that's got to be your most popular answer, right? <laughs> okay, so well, no, actually, uh, it 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 runs the gamut. But I can really? say I can say that when you say he became Hollywood Howie, I, I guess I would ask for clarification because some would argue that Private Parts was him going Hollywood Howie, and other people would ah. say post divorce is Hollywood Howie, and then other people would say, oh, when he got with Beth, and then other people would say, well, the AGT and onwards, so 2012 onwards. So, with what level of Hollywood? Hollywood Howie 
Yeah, there you go. That's the word. Hollywood Howie to me is when it start became become an ass kissery, and he wanted to be part of the Hollywood crowd instead of you know kind of giving them the finger because he used to be anti. You know that. Absolutely. And definitely jumping the shark is when he's actually kissing Ellen DeGeneres' ass. <laughs> okay. Right. Uh, okay. <laughs> Once called her a cunt, and now all of a sudden, oh, you know, I like how she dances. I don't mind the dancing and this and that shit. We're like, what? What, what do you mean? You're, you're selling out, man. You're jumping the shark, right? Right. I'd have, to, and I guess that's probably a popular answer too. But that's the only thing that pops off the top of my head is kissing Hollywood people's asses is when he started really jumping the shark. So for the purposes of the argument, we'll have to say like the wedding because that's when he um, started the celebrity wedding, right? And then Chevy Chase was at the wedding telling him about how he's going to give him anal herpes and shit. This yeah. just gave me this incredible, um, I guess, epiphany. Listen to how many ways that people are saying the same thing with so many layers. So when you say it's no longer about the staff it's just about howard josie when you're saying it's um the stuff that felix said about the situation which mm-hmm. is different but kind of like josie now we yep. add this other layer where it's the hollywood in this way of the kissing ass but it's essentially all of the same thing encompassed in one mm-hmm. it's just it's just you're adding you're adding a layer of hair you're adding yeah, you're adding a tendril. You're adding a fucking rug. You're adding, you know, your part is going up. It's now to the fucking middle of your forehead. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just adding. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, it's on a psychological level. It's funny because, um, yeah, well, okay, how old? Fifty-two years old in two thousand two. So by by serious, he's getting into the twilight of his career, even though he's still fucking going because there's money on the table and he ain't going to leave it. Um, but he should be at like 55. He should be well, well established and like comfortable with himself and, you know, secure and where, where he is and the money he makes, but he's not, he's so painfully insecure, even in 2020 that, you know, no right. one can shine. Not even the guests can shine because the, if you listen to the interviews, it's all about him, all that projection. Oh, he doesn't shut the fuck up to save your life. You can't. You can't get you can't get a word in. And now no one else is allowed to talk. Robin might as well be Barney the dinosaur bursting on the fucking scene when she comes in. It's like, oh wait, I thought we were having a moment here. Boom. Here comes some fucking giant laughing clown. I used to love when Artie would hey, make Artie would, Artie would the make the reference. What the fuck is that? Where did you Artie come would make from? A, Artie would make a reference to Grimace from the McDonald's. <laughs> That's what Robin appears to me. She's got the shape of Grimace. Um, why don't you read um, Kayla's next? Next one is from Kayla Roselle. Hi. She says, I actually only started listening to Howard Stern in 2010. Hmm, that's interesting. So, I'm probably coming at this from a different perspective than longtime fans. Mm-hmm. I found it entertaining and fun, even though they had even started to water things down a bit then. I just didn't know it because I didn't have anything to compare it to. I realized the show started sucking 
when the majority of my time was spent on YouTube listening to the arty years instead of listening to the live shows. Wow. Mm -hmm. And actually, I didn't, it didn't even occur to me that someone could be a fan post a certain point, except that there must be. Uh, and it would have been like, there is. yeah, I mean, younger, okay, yes, younger people, obviously, uh, you're going to listen to what's newest, I suppose, right? Why are you going to listen to something from 2003? Well, actually, you, when you listen back, you realize why you want to. It's, it's actually incredible how, um, even like, um, parents of, uh, parents that I'm friends with that go to Mia school who listen to the podcast because mm -hmm. they loved Stern. They stopped listening to after I think about 2010 and 2011 when Kayla started, which yep. is completely yep. hilarious. That's and they say how, how much they missed out and enjoy listening to our podcast because they realize, oh, wow, we didn't thank god we canceled and this isn't a part of our life <laughs> serious you know? there, there's a testimonial for you <laughs> okay so you're, you're gonna read her top three jump the shark moments i've told i but incidentally everybody i told most people to come up with one two or so so if three if, if some people had more than one we we don't mind but really it's it, the the purpose was to really narrow the focus down to one moment so either way we're happy to okay. get all this input yeah, there our fans are amazing. You guys are the best. Okay, top three moments for Kayla: calling ETM Eric the actor and meaning it. That was probably the biggest indication to me that things were now starting to go down a PC path. The wig had spent so much time being proud of the fact that he wasn't changing the whack pack names. Was a blatant attempt at becoming more mainstream. Number two. Joining America's Got Talent and meaning it. There are so many things wrong with this, and I don't know where to begin. The fact he want he'd want to go on such a shitty show in the first place blows my mind. Not only did he... <laughs> me too. You're right. It's blowing my mind. <laughs> Fucking dog show. Fucking gong dog show. Poor shit. Fucking, you might as well just fucking jump out of a cake. Fucking loser. <laughs> right. What the fuck was that? Uh, he was serious. Well, it's was just he? that when you, when you say AGT at this point, all I think about are those gifs of him dancing on the stage like a fruit. And um, all those, uh, you know, him pumping like uh, Nick Cannon on the couch. So, but not only. Um, but not only did he go on, he purposely tried changing his persona. <laughs> Took the judging way too seriously. Could you really judge a dog seriously? Are you fucking kidding me? Well, I don't know. Beth fucking did a cat show where she did a catwalk with it and poor miserable cats had to fucking prance down the runway. It's on our Facebook page. And talked about it nonstop on the Howard Stern show. The only thing that was genuine is that somehow... In all his pandering, he was still able to make it all about himself. Mm -hmm. Yay, congrats. Number yeah. three, the kittens. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't read this before. <laughs> yeah, this is first time reading. Fillmore made me, I'm doing this live because he thought my reaction would be better live. Yeah. And yeah. you're correct. The kittens, period. The bachelor. Period. 
<laughs> Dancing with the stars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Period. <laughs> Celebrity ass kissing. What in the actual fuck? That's what the show became about after a while. No more interesting conversations. No more strippers. No crazy stories. That's about the time I stopped listening for good. (laughs) (laughs) Well done, Kayla. (laughs) Bravo, bravo. I'd clap for you, but I'm not stuttering John. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The um, let's see if I got this one next. Okay, uh, next we've got okay, we did Gina, we did Manny. Uh, now we're going to hear from our girl Raven. Uh, and, and it's a bit of a long one, but so bear with us. But um, they which Sam wanted to do this one in real time, so that's exactly what we're going to do. And we're here, of course, with the inimitable Raven, everybody. Yay, Raven, how's it going, Hi. darling? It's going great. How are you? Good to have you back. Uh, I'm 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 so so because I'm just a little tired, but that's okay. I chose to do this when I chose. Um, that's on me. So as you know, this is the jump the shark segment, and we have been asked everybody where they feel the show creatively went started going downhill. So when did you start listening to the show? When did you stop? If you stopped, and why? When do you think the show never um, recovered? What was the uh, jump the shark moment or moments for you? Okay, Deal I was listening in high school when I was about 15 or 16, and we'd drive in in the morning to school. Let's just call that 1988. Mm-hmm. He came to Philly, which is in 1986. So he was about two years in, and because my dad and brother listened, I mm-hmm. was uh, doomed to this life, I guess, because they were such fans <laughs> that I wanted to know what they were talking about, and that's how I got into it. Now, my dad was a dirty old man, so back then, with all the <laughs> half-naked women. <laughs> I don't even have that excuse of being subjected to it. We couldn't get it. I had shortwave radio. I could pick up Syracuse stations and what have you, but like uh, certain New York stations, depending on what day and the weather and stuff, but I never got stern. What's so funny is like I'm like oh see my dad gave me my sense of humor and think my dad was a dirty dirty old man. he was Benny Hill and and you know the, the dirty talk or whatever the blue humor I guess it was back then is sort of what drew my dad in and then got my brother and myself so I gave this a lot of thought and I I think this is a really interesting question because it shows the evolution and where what draws people in and what repulses people. Absolutely. One of the things that really got me, and I think it's the heart of almost every listener we come across, is when Artie committed suicide. He attempted suicide. Yeah. And that was in January of 2010. So, like, that was like a shockwave through the stern universe. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us were like, oh, my God, is he okay? Is he coming back? And then shortly after, I think it took him, what, like a couple weeks to a month to really address that? Maybe two weeks after well, they, it happened. Yeah, well, they went. They would have went dark in like let's say the second week of December. That's when he was told he wasn't coming back, and he committed suicide. Something like, or try he attempted this a week later, or even was, days later. No, it was like January tenth, uh, I believe. I think it was earlier because he had to recover, and then they didn't come back until about the tenth, 
And then a week or a few days after they started, someone, I think Pittsburgh Peak called in and asked about him. And that was the only reason it was brought up or that's the way they brought it up. Do you remember that when they finally did bring him up and how, how, you know, this manufactured goddamn, uh, how do I, I how do I approach I this? Was. Yeah. I, I, I the way the way it was like it, the way I the what I heard because I was I was really in this was the only thing I wanted to hear when they came back and that's the one thing they would not talk about and I was like you fucking pricks you fucking assholes that's the first thing that should be out of your mouths but because you're it's not because he was guilt ridden it's because he didn't want it was like with the Dana Plato thing they played it off like nothing happened so I died, never I yeah. never called into radio shows like mm-hmm. before then. Yep. That was the first time I tried calling into the Stern show. I didn't get yep. in, but I mm-hmm. was just like, what the, what the fuck? What mm-hmm. the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? Yeah. Like, yeah. where? I I couldn't believe how it was being addressed. And I remember when they addressed it the first time, I was in the parking lot of my gym and just completely feeling like, this isn't real and this is scripted and we're being bamboozled. This was the first time, I guess for me, I knew there were other parts, but this is the first time I was like, we're in a different, we're going to enter a different realm. This is no Mm -hmm. longer real. Yep. I, I just remember feeling that there was so such insincerity about, oh, you know, I don't want to make things bad for, you know, I don't, I don't know how to dress this in a comfortable way. And it's like, what's to address? You'll talk about anything else, but you won't talk about the fact that this guy is not on your show, committed suicide or attempted, attempted suicide. And he was such a major part, but you're You just, and you guys let him go. That was, that was the thing. He just didn't want to come off like a, an asshole, but they let him go when they should have kept him on. They really should have well, just kept him on. But if like, we're going to, if the, the time to do an intervention and cost him his job was way before they got to that point. And now you're going to let him go. And they still let him on. It was the Teddy yeah. point and they yeah. still let him on. And there was other points and people oh, yeah. knew and yeah. people knew for years. And they've said subsequently, like Brian Phelan did an interview and they said, Oh, we knew, we knew yeah, something was wrong. And comics knew something was wrong. And it was just the, most poignant thing was when Chris Rock came on and he said, you have to cut him loose. And that made so much sense to me because if anyone has ever dealt with a drug addict in their life, giving them a job when they're a drug addict is giving them a life supply and lifeline to money. And you're mainlining them to their supply. That's it. That's all you're doing. You have to issue consequences, especially if you're related to an addict, if you've been married to an addict, if you're, if you have been an addict, you know, the whole deal people like you're, I guess this ties into something that we'll talk about later, but either way, it's, it's fine. When, when I read about the Chris Farley, um, story, basically Lauren Mm -hmm. Michaels, let, let him host the show in early, I think it's 1997, not long before he did die and he looked horrible. It was the the cold opening. They wouldn't have it on YouTube for a long time and they wouldn't re-air it because he looked so bad. He was talking about in the, it was the joke was Tim Meadows comes out and Chris Rock comes out and Chris is doing the monologue and saying how he just successfully completed rehab when it was so clear he was fucked up and way out of shape 
and it was sad. It was the saddest goddamn thing. And they plugged him into so many goddamn sketches when he was so clearly out of shape and he'd lost his fastball. And this is how I felt about when they let Artie stay all that time after the Teddy thing and where he was clearly in the throes of addiction. Even if it was Subutex, which he later admitted he was still doing heroin and taking Subutex at the same time. Which is so insane because if anyone has dealt with a heroin addict, they know you get sick. So you can't do both. The Subutex makes you sick if you do. You have to balance it out so completely correct in order yeah. to make that even work. It's incredible. But right. I just think that... Um, I think that Raven hit that on the head when she said that the fact that you guys made it such a part of the show mm -hmm. as not only entertainment, but as we care about this person and then took it away with less than nothing and gave us this insincere excuse. That yep. is a very jump the shark moment. So I appreciate that answer. Yep. A lot of people, the so... were, people were hanging on to that because he missed the last day officially. He never actually finished because they let him go after the 50 Cent interview that day. They, Tim decided, don't come in tomorrow. And then they were dark. And I believe it might have even been that day, the next day where he, where he did it. Or it wasn't the next day. I know that, and I know that now. But, uh, and, and Raven looked it up because this was, you know, she's, she's professional. And we do this for, you want to know for posterity. Yeah, Sam. And then how about the fact that in um, now we know that Tim was let go, you know, after the fact, too, in such a awful way where yep. he needed time for his father, not only father, but mother. He was caring for two ailing parents. Yep. And he said he just needed some time. Mm -hmm. And Howard just said, you know what? I think it's time to part ways. And that was it. No notice. No two weeks. Heartless. Nothing. Heartless. Heartless as fuck. And right. Tim struggled so hard with firing Artie and having to be the one to fire him and not even Howard. He mm -hmm. had to be the one to say it to him. And when Artie recently was doing this Artie podcast, this newest, mm -hmm. um, you know, invention of it, he was talking to Tim and he was saying, let it go with Howard. Just... Mm -hmm. Stop feeling guilty. Stop mm -hmm. feeling anything for him. Stop. Mm -hmm. And he just was kept saying, please, please stop. Yeah. He, he was, he was trying, saying, he was diplomatically, he was trying to say, first of all, let it go. But also he's not your bro. Stop, stop holding him in this fucking esteem. You idiot. Cause he is it, not your buddy. Also, already apologizing to Tim and Tim yeah. saying how hard it was for him. Because yeah. I think it was, very hard for Tim to do that. And uh, and Howard had Tim do the work that he should have done. You know? Just just remember, guys, that the two people in the hospital when already came out of his, whatever, his, not coma, but uh, his surgery, I suppose, or whatever they did to, you know, snap him out of, um, uh, when, he, when he woke, when he came to, basically, after the stabbing himself and drinking bleach, Robin and Tim Sabian, they were the two people at his bed. So that's why Robin, even though we give her a lot of shit, you can't not give her credit for that. She must have cared on some level. She must have had some humanity to her. But Wig doesn't make an appearance at all? No? Well, that's your you bro? He doesn't make an appearance, and then you can even 
hear in recent interviews like this last one with Machine Gun Kelly. You hear this person that's basically dying in front of your eyes. You hear someone that's struggling with addiction Mm -hmm. so hard that he can't even get through an interview without being completely messed up. Yeah. And Wig, instead of knowing, because he wants to pull therapy out because he thinks he's some sort of like, I don't know, armchair psychologist. Yeah. He... Instead, when it gets serious and it looks like he could turn the corner and get emotional, he mm-hmm. makes a joke. He doesn't yeah. care. No, he doesn't it's care. It's meaningless to him. It's just like it's like math, uh, except he can't do math either. Um, we'll continue with the rest of this clip, but I and I have a few more points on that end, but we'll discuss it later too, or a couple days later, maybe that weekend. It's so odd when I'm playing myself back and I'm talking as well. It's like, am I really me? Is it Bill? It's like Bill Murray Groundhog Day. <laughs> January 2nd, 2010. So it was still during the Christmas break. And and the reason I think it's important is because I want to honor Artie. Mm -hmm. Artie has um, gotten to my heart and a lot of other listeners' heart. Regardless of his choices, we all make choices. And I'm rooting for him because he's the underdog, just like a lot of us are. Yeah. And I I just want to give him the the facts that are related and and to realize like that was kind of the crux of the show that's why a lot of listeners came to Sirius mm-hmm. and Artie doesn't get the credit he should for all the money Howard raked in oh big time while Artie was making you know like a, whatever it was a million a year from just him and then his stand up but when that news broke and it broke before they came back so we were all like waiting on bated breath to see were they going to mention it? Yeah. There was just a dark feeling in my soul that the show was never going to be the same. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't coming back. I, I, mm-hmm. I know at that point I realized Howard, like Stuttering John or Jackie or Billy West, those people left him or did something that was unforgivable. They were unmentionables. And that yep. that was kind of how this was going to go. Mm-hmm. But the real true jump the shark moment came when he announced he was doing AGT and I (laughs) lost it. I was like, no, it's like when your favorite underground band goes mainstream or they get on the radio and it's like, I can't enjoy this now because everybody likes it too much. But it wasn't that people liked AGT far from it. It was, I cringed watching him. Mm -hmm. I couldn't stand to see him make a fool of himself, (laughs) not be funny. Mm -hmm. He, he just looked awkward. It it was a bad fit. Yep. And then the 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 thing that put the nail in the coffin was all of the commercializing he did on the show. Mm-hmm. He just was nonstop talking about it. It was it was just like a paid commercial every morning. And it she's absolutely correct, by the way. And that those years, that 2012 when he got on and he started, oh, it, oh, like... <laughs> so fucking sufferable. I remember those like, like it's a bad dream. It's fucking nightmare on Elm Street. It was the if... worst. And not only that, he wanted to, and we've talked about this. He mm-hmm. wanted to make Howard 101, the AGT review channel. Basically, yep. he wanted to make it all AGT all the time. And then people flipped the fuck out because they tried it. And he said it was an April Fool's joke, but it wasn't. It no, just it wasn't. didn't go over good because nobody knew what the fuck was going on. 
Not only that, but at one point, he, and a couple times, he said, this is just my part-time job. AGT is my real job. So the job is paying you, I don't know, like 50-plus million a year is your part-time job. But the one that's paying you like 15 million a year, that's the full-time job because you're on TV. What a fucking... Uh, would, would, if you were a CEO of uh, Sirius at that point, wouldn't you have cut him the fuck loose or breached, uh, like, f- sued him? For like making this one big long advertisement for uh, and uh, like a network that's not advertising on your show, as far as we know. Well, let's see. This Jim Meyer thing is going on where he's retiring, which is fine. Anyone can retire at their own point, but most people who are making that much money, who don't really have that much to do, but have their name on something, mm-hmm. don't retire. You think like, he's going to stay behind the scenes, kind of thing? No, I think that he was a proprietor of wanting Howard on. I'm betting you that he's not going to stay on. I don't think he is. That's my guess. And I think that I don't see how he's a money draw. Mm -hmm. I think that his salary along with the rest of his staff, which is so bloated and disgusting, I don't Mm -hmm. see how they could think of this as a moneymaker. No one cares about him except for people like us who make fun of him. People got people got to remember. We don't know what he was getting paid this last contract or any of the contracts. It, well, the, the first contract we know because it's out there. But, but the this latest contract was they, the figure that you hear or you read is ninety million a year. It was never ninety million a year. Don't fucking kid yourselves. He had the, uh, he probably got ninety million for the five years and the archives, the use of the archives, because clearly his advertising went to shit. And the, the Benjamin did a great thing. Uh, he he when there were ads like for uh, certain ads on the Corolla show, at the end of the ad it would give you like some kind of uh, indication like the uh, this the following ad was paid you know they 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 paid this much for this ad, and and he's in um, uh, he's in the the business. Uh, ben, Benjamin would know this. He said that what Adam Corolla got for his ads were like 10 times more than what Wiggy got for his. So you do the math. There's not a major company out there that will pay major, like huge amount of money to a show without transparency and won't tell you how many listeners they have. And Sirius has never released the numbers for the Howard Stern show aside from that one Arbitron rating. So it stands to reason. And that was in 2007. That was then. But the the ad figures for the Corolla show was much later and uh, like, like, I don't know, five years later, maybe longer, and it was um, it was proven that basically the advertisers were giving way less money to Howard than to Adam. Why? Because he had fewer listeners, or that he couldn't guarantee listeners. So they're like, "Well, we can't guarantee this much money." Of course, you know? I don't understand the um, magical act that Howard does that that basically gives him this lifeline of a radio slash podcasting career. I really don't. And I wish I did. I don't understand the draw. He doesn't have one except for people who want to call him out on his shit. And by the way, that um, also what Raven said, that was very heartfelt and amazing and true. Mm -hmm. And she's not finished. At first it was like, oh, whatever. But to hear him complain is one of the worst segments on the radio. It's so much better if he's talking, has someone to bounce off of, talk to in the studio or a guest. But if it's just him whining about his life, I I lose it completely. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Judd Apatow and Natalie Maines even ragged on him. Yeah. The same thing I'm saying was my jump the shark was the constant 
complaining of him on AGT. And that's all we had. We had like no one had to make content because he was just using that as filler day in and day out. Yeah. And I think when celebrities started noticing and speaking up and in that culture, that's not like a cool thing to do for them because no. they know they probably won't be back on the show. They're not going to be welcome. Yeah. Um, that that's absolutely what broke the straw and the camel's back for me was the AGT years. And it gave us a lot of gifts Gifts and gifts. Yes, it did. Gifts, <laughs> so whatever I, they call you know, them. Yeah. I love those. Those are yeah. fantastic, and they help with your Photoshop. <laughs> They're amazing. Yeah, they, they, you they don't do. get not, enough credit for those. Not so much for the Photoshop's mine, but a lot of people use them for, and, and definitely I've used a couple, quite a few of them. So, okay, so that's the end of that clip. Sorry, guys, I, I truncated that a little strangely. Yeah, Sam. Uh, you totally deserve credit for those photoshops, the listing thread ones especially. <laughs> They're fucking amazing. I, no one I, has I, any fucking shit on you when it comes to photoshops. People are no, wishing. No, People are wishing they would treat you better so I they love, could uh, have your photoshops. Trust me. <laughs> there are people like Gary Puppet who's like, a, and, and there were guys like Bobble Bowie and D-List and there were good, there are a lot of people in the photoshop like commute like the guys that i i would we would share tips and stuff like that and i always said my conceit was if it, it should be funnier than it, it should be as funnier than it is good and if they're both if it's good and funny well then that's perfect but the conceit should even there's something about shitty photoshops that makes me laugh hysterically and i just did one that i'll show you guys for the next episode with the um i showed you and raven about the uh mom the the picture of beth with jared Oh and my I, I, fucking god! <laughs> I put Wiggy's head on Beth's. <laughs> it is such a monstrosity. <laughs> but uh, but even like when you do like the David Bowie album, I was like, "Holy Christ, I'm dead." Which, which, which one, Hunky Dory? Yes, <laughs> dead on the floor. I was like, "This is the fucking best thing I've ever seen." The Buffy the Vampire Slayer one. <laughs> I had some. Well, I go. I get these. I get these little. Um, what do you call them? Like just uh, like ed- edits of sh- of pictures. Like so, just a face, right? And I figure, where can I put this? And then I thought of Hunky Dory, the album for Beth's face, like her open laughing face up at an angle. I go perfect. And it's it not a perfect, perfect Photoshop. It's not a perfect Photoshop, but the idea is funny. I, I will say that. I-, I I'll give my I'll pat myself on the back for that one. So you should. Okay, um, but well, Raven's ra- Raven's right for the AGT. I I'm. I have to say the talk, the everything, it was so bad. The funniest part coming out of that, knowing that we think that that's the jump, the shark Fillmore, is the fact he goes on this book tour for Howard Stern comes again. Yeah. Which incredible that you name your book. Howard Stern comes again. When Jackie Martling's book years ago was named come again. Yeah. And the fact you can't watch Shit's Creek because the title disturbs you. No. Okay, yeah, you yeah. named your book Private Parts, <laughs> and you have uh, Howard Stern comes again, and you have Miss America. You dr- were you what dressed I- like a transsexual on the, uh, you know, on the, or whatever, transvestite. I don't right. know what they call it anymore. Trans on the cover. That's not just, you know, the, none of this disturbs you, but Shit's Creek. I said to people in the thread, don't buy it for a second. It's too intelligent for him. He needs someone to tell them it's funny. And then they'll eventually he'll get on it when it's not 
you know, trendy. It, it's the same with Curb Your Enthusiasm. Hilarious. He goes, I, I don't want to watch. I never watch Curb Your Enthusiasm. Curb Your Enthusiasm is not my favorite show, but it's a it's a masterpiece. I'm sorry to it's say that. It's fucking guys. hilarious. And yeah. I, Schitt's Creek, I've watched every episode. I can't wait for the next season. It's fucking hilarious. I have to, so I have good. to go. I had to do a full dive into it because I only saw the first few episodes and did not like it. I think I had it. It had to grow on you, and I didn't give it a chance. But I'll, I'll, you I'll definitely check it out. Because I chance. love, I love the uh, the cast. So, friggin' he sits there and says, "AGT is his main show and all this, and we have to deal with this fallout." <laughs> and then he goes on Stephen Colbert and he goes, "Can you believe they hired me for AGT? It was a joke. Oh I mean, can God. you believe it?" I have to get that. Uh, would you like? Would you like to get paid for a joke? Because I would. Well, I, I mean, would. sixteen, seventeen million dollars just to be a joke. Why would they pick me? He said, "Were they kidding? It was a joke." And Colbert even looks at him like, "Uh, that's a major network. It's NBC. Yeah. You, you gamed for that job, you yeah. fucker." Absolutely. And meanwhile, he dressed like fucking Gary Newman from on the Pleasure Principle album cover and uh, and, and <laughs> thought, thought it made him look great <laughs> with his ill fitting suit. Like, you know, when you stick a kid and you get him with the Sears suit with the fucking brass buttons, the Navy suit. And then he, like, he, out, you know, he, out, he outgrows like, you know. he outgrows it, but he still wears it. So they're like they're they're like Capri <laughs> pants by the end. <laughs> He's like what you would call it. It's like an Olin Mills communion picture. <laughs> That's brilliant. Guys, before we continue, I wanted to read this uh, this screen cap that Mark Shabzovich um, delivered to us. It's I didn't realize Kate, uh, Caitlin and Brent are not on Twitch. I, I do. I don't. I forgot that they got booted off Twitch. They're probably too filthy even for Twitch. And uh, now they're on Snatch. I don't know what the fuck they're on. But anyway, it's Wait, called. what? <laughs> onlyfans.com and she that she posted something about this it says you get plenty of pictures and videos with your monthly su- subscription but you may but you may also want to message me for your individual needs tip menu 15 bucks for a dick rating uh 35 bucks for a custom picture naked uh 70 bucks for a custom video naked 125 bucks for a custom self pleasure video 130 bucks for panties worn for one day, two pictures in them. 75 bucks for low cut socks worn for two days plus two for one day plus two pictures in them. Have a wonderful day and stay steamy. I don't know if I've been less steamy in my life. (laughs) Wait a minute. This is what she's offering. Does she know that this is like an episode of Orange is the New Black? I'm not even kidding. This was an episode where the, the girls in the jail. Piper, who's the lead character, she said her brother, who's out of jail, they decided to make a business and money in jail by giving girls uh, panties smelled, worn for days. They would keep providing the panties for them. And that was like a business. So Caitlin is now a fucking fake storyline on Netflix. Not only that, but what this is her lot in life like this yeah. is what you're this brent. is what she brent isn't is good your, enough at your... radio so you <laughs> marry this guy so he failed at radio so now you're giving dick ratings and custom picks are you kidding me i can rate i, I can honestly, rate my own even dick without free, an education i would think of something better to do 
Well, um, forget it, Jake. It's Florida. Uh, I just don't or get just it. Go waitress. Waitress. Well, yeah, she'd she'd have to. Uh, well, clearly this menu is custom made for a waitress. Fifteen bucks for seventy five for low cut socks. That what one the I hell is that? Like sock ankle fetish? socks? Low cut socks, I guess. Ankle socks worn for one day and two pictures in them. One hundred and thirty for panties worn for a day, two pictures. Could you imagine like? I think about like a Ziploc bag, like for a snack you pack for someone. <laughs> <laughs> Those crackers with the little cheese spread and the red uh, right? thing stick that you spread. <laughs> Imagine this is in your fucking lunchbox in the thermos. What's in the thermos? Fucking semen backed up. I mean, this is, this is, mo- they're the most vile couple on the planet. I don't want to give them any too much shit because uh, they're so meaningless, but the, the level a barrel scraping that goes on between those two miscreants, those two transients. It's just something else. Well, do you think it was her that's like pushing for this? Or do you think because of their clear drug problem, which was obvious during the I, thing? I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> Who cares? It's just such a fucking, such a fucking, Shit, you know what it look. You know what this reminds me of. It reminds me of like when you go camping and there's like a public bathroom and it's just filled with like fucking, you know, daddy long legs and fucking shit scrapes and fucking Listen, if you thin wanted, toilet paper and look if you want panties, panties worn for one day, couldn't you go to the fucking Port Authority bathroom and find any kind of drawers there, all manner of drawers looking like Jackson Pollock paintings, and you could go like for fit, a dick rating. Can't you rate your own dick? You need to pay for it? I don't understand. I don't know. Let's ask Howard. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, glad that, uh, glad the, uh, I hope the pain uh, is, is, is just... You know what? It's my I'm favorite, too. Place. Now that I'm thinking, I know, right? I'm looking at this. I'm like, this bitch is making $130 for old panties. Are you serious right now? Do you, know how ma- Do you know how many, like, old panties I made a mistake? Yeah, I, I can't even imagine what I've thrown out in money. <laughs> you didn't see dollar signs printed on them? <laughs> no, I saw garbage. <laughs> anyway, uh, the next reading. Uh, hold on for a moment here. Okay, the next one is Charisma. She says, the first cracks in the show for me started to be revealed in the moments when Howard would let Robin spout absolute and utter garbage and rarely correct her when she made huge errors during news stories or one of her queen Robin smug rants. Mm -hmm. Given that these moments were painful, but minimal, I kept being a loyal, a loyal and defensive fan. Okay. When Artie joined the team, her vicious pious attacks and limited caring really started to bother me. We all know that Artie is an incredible, talented, but messed up person. He knows that and still manages to be a decent, caring person. Robin, who has paraded around on a pillow made of lies, delusion, and bullshit, couldn't even feign compassion. It became very clear early on that Artie was being exploited for laughs. Artie knew this and played along, even though it was killing him, because he understood that his role on the show had been defined as the funny, hefty, drunk, junkie, fuck up Mm -hmm. at the start it seemed 
that while Howard would exploit Artie on the air, they shared an actual caring friendship off the air. Mm-hmm. That was, I was the fiction. Willing, I was willing to tolerate the ripping on Artie because I believed everyone treated it like shtick for the show. They didn't. The cruel lying, moronic asses they are on the show is them to their core all the time. The show where Howard brought the girl who had a fetish for fat guys was my breaking moment. Mm-hmm. It was raw and cruel. Artie was like a bleeding, starved, beaten dog in the corner, pleading for water and to not be kicked yet once again. What a wonderful metaphor. Mm-hmm. Love you. Howard would not relent and kept kicking and kicking. He even tried to make Artie believe he was delusional and making things up. Mm-hmm. I was done. Thinking about it now still makes me feel sick and angry. I get the desire to create a good show out of occasionally highlighting and poking fun at flaws and fuck-ups. What they did went well beyond that. We had been deceived and lied to. To me, that makes his woke act now even more repulsive and laughable. Hmm. Well done, Charisma. That was, and thank you so much for that wonderful write-up. Uh, again, that's another. That's another nod to the bro fight because that's that's a deep. In that's the heart another. Of it. Uh, wow. Do you know how much Artie had to do with the final straw? Sorry. The jump the shark. The jump the shark. Artie had so much to do with this jump the shark. It's in. It's not always the same moment, but it yep. seems to me. His um, his tenure on the show and his passing on the show and how mm-hmm. it was dealt with it has a lot to do with it. I and believe so. And how people so. accept it and yeah, take I th- it in. I th- well, I think it's because, first of all, it was, okay, yes, it was almost a decade he was on the show. So it stands to reason that during that time... Uh, there might be any number of moments, you know, and then the decade before people would argue and we'll go through the list at the end of the show of thing, things that we think each and we don't, we don't know each other's lists. That's going to be part of the fun to see if we have simpatico on all the uh, uh, events that we think could be construed as junk, the, jump the shark moments. But now I'm dying to know what you have. Well, you're going to have to wait, my dear. So let's hear uh, from James Santiago, who's uh, he, it's a long one, but it's a good one. And he's got two, um, two examples he'd like to talk about. He's a great poster. Right, guys, Hi, James. This time we have James Santiago of Turnbuckle Tabloid. He's got his own podcast himself, and he's a loyal QF fan as well. So, James, thank you for agreeing to share, speak your piece with us. Oh, first time calling a long, long time listener. I've been wanting to say that for a long time. And James sounds so so like pimp because he's got his he's he was uh, recording in uh, via his his studio and I was using the worst goddamn microphone you could imagine on the planet just because uh, my good setup was uh, being used by my wife. Yeah, go ahead, Sam. He's such a funny commenter on our page. He always makes me literally burst out laughing out loud anytime I check it and he makes a comment. I am always. Buckled over. He's very, yeah. very funny. He's gold. He's gold. <laughs> well, that and hey now. I, I, I began listening to Stern around 89, 90. Growing up in New York, he was all over the place. Mm-hmm. And um, he was always interested. I was, I was in my early teens. 
and you would bounce around the dials. You go from in New York City, you had Z100, BLS, and such. And in the morning before going to school, you just click the dials when uh, a radio station was doing their, you know, their repeat radio, and you just click the stern, and all of a sudden he was there, and he was saying stuff that you really didn't hear on radio, and he was like, "Oh, okay." So it wasn't really, you know, it, it was it was at that time where I started gravitating to him, but it wasn't until the E show happened. Mm-hmm. Where it became full fledged, where I was, I was a listener. Okay, and and at what point did you stop? If you stopped, I stopped about 2014-2015. Okay, it was right around Mount Marcy Turk entrance, the AGT. That's and and mind you, like I said, I I I, I was. You know, I was drawn to him being a guy who I've never heard say certain things uh, on radio. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, he became the guy that I've heard normally on radio. Have you- oh, incidentally, guys, uh, not to not to uh, correct him, he's but uh, he's not referring. I don't believe he's referring to the beginning of the Marcy Turk era, just the fact that that was during the Marcy Turk era, the when he when he tuned out because Marcy was part of the picture as of summer of two thousand twelve, and then the. But one could argue that the censoring and stuff and the muting of the uh, toning down of the content started like five years earlier. But go ahead, Sam. The summit was 2013. That's right. We know that. I do like how simply he puts it, but perfect. How he says, I listened to him for what he was going to say. And then he just said what everyone else did. He just became so basic. Yeah where you decided that's it he's into the shitter and i have to escape well uh, i i was listening to a um a, a youtube special where billy and jackie was on and that, that when both those guys left i figured those were jump the shark i was like wow you know where does he go to next and then right. you know you get um stuttering john leaves you get um everybody says when Artie goes uh, marcy turk comes in and then it becomes uh it becomes uh, um the the how how we welcome to Hollywood, mm-hmm. uh, Howard when Hollywood becomes his friend now, mm-hmm. yeah, the Hamptons Howie, yep. But um, honestly, I really my definitive one for him jumping the shark, and a lot of people may not agree, but for me, it's when he went to Sirius. Yeah, when he left, there was a certain mis- interesting, huh? Do you know something? Yep. My dad, I asked him this. He said that same exact thing. I well, asked him, when do you think he jumped the shark? Because okay. we're doing this show. And sure. he said, when he went to Sirius. And what was his reasoning? Before you hear what James has to say, just be, and you haven't, and it, it, like, like I said, guys, Sam is the fr- first time Sam is hearing all of these clips. So what do you, I what did your dad say? I wanted to hear them fresh. It's not because I didn't yeah. want to do my homework. I wanted to hear this <laughs> yeah. on the fly. I yeah, have I wanted, my yeah, jump the I shark list. We wanted to do it this way. He said he sold out. That for him, that was selling out, going to Sirius. He said he entertained him for all these years, competed with all these people. And he couldn't believe that after all the contract negotiations and all the bullshit that he went through before, he was just going to go to a paid radio thing. And to my dad, that was he's just a simple guy. Like he just thought that was incredibly fucking fuck you giving up and my dad is just not that type of person that's going to put a piece of an equipment in their car for someone 
he was good on AM or I'm sorry, he was good on the stations better on terrestrial. He wasn't as good on Sirius. The first two years, yeah, were crazy and fun, but he wasn't as good as a host. Uh, well, no, because the ultimately he had to, the, the first of all, he was, well, and he was ratings driven. If he didn't have ratings, he had nothing on regular radio. So once he got to Sirius, he could afford to be lazy. It really is like that kid who's putting a lot of work in his essay and then finds out he's got a two week extension, just drops his pen and paper <laughs> and goes off to play whatever the fuck <laughs> goes to play like PlayStation four. Like, dude, I'm <laughs> playing the last of us. I don't have time for this horse shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's just the rest of it, Ulysses later. Bye. <laughs> well, you know that um, it, it was in Robin's book, which I'd love to revisit someday because um, it, I have all the audio clips from the audio book. And although I threw the book out, I just couldn't stand to see it in my bookcase anymore. <laughs> um, and uh, <laughs> without, because I couldn't Photoshop the actual book, I'd have to take like a, a, a magic marker and write down quiver is a cunt or quiver is a life or something. And then uh, good luck showing that to people come come by. Um, that uh, she said when they were, when they had gone, I can't remember when they got back to New York and they were in the afternoons, Howard had no ambition to get out of afternoons. He said, well, we're number one. And she goes, but we have no competition. <laughs> And he goes, yeah, so, <laughs> so I he wanted no competition. I remember you and Benjamin discussing this. <laughs> He's such <laughs> a lazy fucking idiot. All right, let's keep going. I was a fan and I try to uh, explain this, excuse me, the ambiance of New York City behind me, but I, um, I was a fan of the, the censorship. I enjoyed the you know, the wordplay, mm -hmm. it made, it made them creative, you mm -hmm. know, when, when rather than say the cuss word, rather than, than going on a limb, when you, when, when you were able to, to be ambiguous with it and, and be you know, very mysterious with what the, the, the usage of language, I, I'm very much of a guy who loves vernacular vocabulary and languages and stuff like that. And when you, when they were able to play with it, it was more yeah. fun. It seemed as though like when they went to Sirius it was almost like you just kicked down the door and it was just like, okay, now what? What, what are right. we going to do next from here? Remember the, um, it was the, I think Bill O'Reilly video. So he goes, so you're going to have cursing. <laughs> so people were paying for them to say fuck. <laughs> I mean, that's what the description was, you know, so you could say cunt and fuck big deal. 100%. It wasn't, um, you couldn't say a-hole. You couldn't say... <laughs> like, and I was already really into Opie and Anthony. Yeah. So I, I, for me, I just was like, okay, they already did these tapes for Mel Gibson. Or yeah. they already addressed certain things. Mm -hmm. And they just seemed faster. Like Jim Norton's lightning speed, fuck up, degenerate fastness was great but Artie really was uh magnetic like I loved Artie so much and I think yeah. he brought a lot to it oh, also God. too they brought in uh just a wealth of comics too both shows but Stern as well and the Whack Packers seemed to have a funnier role back then oh, I don't God, know what yeah. happened Speed, the the show lost its fastball. It was like, it really was like all of a sudden you just gave your, your Ferrari to your 89 year old grandmother and said, okay. And then she just had it in first gear the whole time. 
And that's what, when it came to Sirius, it slowed down considerably. And they had to, the filler, he wasn't doing Fridays. And that was, uh, that's another, uh, you know, bone of contention for a lot of people. And so they might've made the show longer, but it felt longer like each day they might've got an extra hour, but it felt like three hours sometimes. Cause it just how interminable it was. Yeah. Go you ahead. Also, you had also the rise. Like I was in college during this time. So I remember specifically when I got the equipment and stuff, but I also remember that was the rise of uh, PerezHilton.com, TMZ. The mm-hmm. internet became much faster. Things that you could, I don't know, absorb for pop culture. There was not just Howard. There was not just Opie and Anthony. That's but right. you wanted something that was funny and also told you about the subject. He just, it just wasn't the same. You didn't have the same character, the characters that were there. Mm-hmm. Um, you felt the thinning of, of the comedy where it came from outside entities, like the, the, the stand-up comedians, oh, yeah. the, um, the, the sit-downs where he had the, the interviews where they actually meant something that you, were, you felt like you were going behind a curtain with somebody. Mm-hmm. It, it just lost its mystique. And then you start hearing the rumblings about who was being the puppet master with the Marcy Turk, uh, um, you know, uh, correlation and, mm. you know, the getting things done. It got really, really uh, bland and blasé for me, really. And, mm-hmm. I, and like I said, I'm a, I mean, I'm, I'm probably one of these rare Brooklyn kids who lived in the projects who's, who's a stern historian. And when it got to a point where I was like, yeah, I can't do this anymore. And, mm-hmm. and I just stopped. Mm-hmm. It got really bad. <laughs> was the line you said i remember sam it's like finding out your uncle's gay <laughs> yeah it really is go ahead oh my god my oh. siri i'm sorry my my siri just technical glitch guys sorry in, in lieu of uh, police sirens we have that instead that's really funny that he said that i appreciate that i also even now find people who were fans i'm like oh like wow it's it's like it's like finding yeah. some long lost relative or something right well the thing is i was trying to explain because even originally i i i lost track of the idea because jump the shark is a very nebulous term for those who aren't aware of you know the ramifications of like what what it entails so jump the shark doesn't necessarily mean you stop listening at any given point it means when you thought the quality dipped you might have still been listening out of habit out of you know nothing and no options or whatever but uh, and i my my when i stop listening and my jump the shark are completely different and that's all i'll say for now but we'll get into that let's keep going mm-hmm. so what oh, i will have uh, to yeah. say though when yeah. my dad refused to get the stuff for the for the thing i got him the stuff to listen to it like the boom box and whatever because that was something like i couldn't handle not having that like if i'm going to hear this you have to hear this like i have to hear this with you and i think people really got pissed off and it's not just me with the equipment and i should have probably put this in my list but like the equipment was insane people should the, have been pissed that's the story i heard and this is also i i get it i it's unfortunately you, you think about these things after the fact sometimes and you miss them when you when you really want to say them but when we did the last uh npd episode of uh beth for in you know versus allison and uh bob said how bob d said about how y- you as a listener felt 
you were you were wronged by Howard, and and never more so than with the the, the whole the selling of stuff. And so imagine getting like gypped out of, you know, all these subscriptions, lifetime subscriptions and oh, it only works for three devices or it's not really lifetime or, oh, this device didn't work. It was a piece of shit made in China. And, and then seeing the show go downhill, like being sold a fucking bill of goods. That's how you're abused by the show. That's exactly a reason how you could say you were. Uh, 100%. And how you could feel discarded the same way his wives, his coworkers, ex-coworkers, staff, you know, whatever, um, would feel like, fuck you. That's why I it wouldn't love... just be a clean break. You know, it wouldn't be like, eh, look, I wanted to do my own thing and they wanted to go a different way. That's why you rarely hear that except by people who are trying to toe the line. If he died tomorrow, my God, the flood of information we would get. <laughs> oh, please, please. Oh. <laughs> anyway, let's Hail continue. Mary, full of this, grace. This, this, this clip's pretty long. Uh, early, uh, so the, the move to Sirius was uh, one of them. Have you got another one that uh, also you might want to mention. I've told people that if they want to list five things, they can. <laughs> like I said, there were, there were a few, um, there were a few moments where the show just got a little bit more than jump the shark. It was more, uh, it got uncomfortable, but jumping the shark would be, like I said, when Jackie left, when Jackie left, there was that element of that, that, uh, the, um, the comedy went to another place. It was more of, you could tell that someone else was doing the writing. You could tell yeah. it wasn't that uh, flying gag writer kind of thing. Like it wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the already implica- uh, implica- implication of him being that the um, the on the spot uh, real guy that we liked. It was cool, but mm-hmm. it still missed something. Oh, yeah. Sam, you wanted to say. What a smart, smart listener and fan. James is incredible. He's so on the money with that. And a lot of people won't say the Jackie years that yeah. they won't say that it's not when it jumped the shark because Artie years were so good. And there were so many funny moments after. But if you are talking about the incredible train of the show that was Billy West, Jackie, Stuttering John, Fred, Robin, mm-hmm. Howard. Mm-hmm. That train, the second Jackie exited, it was, he's right. There's he's definitely, right. A, palpable, a, there's definitely the sh- a palpable change. Absolutely. It's a, it's, a, it's a pivotal moment in the show. For, it's one of many pivotal moments. But I, for me, it was the, 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 when they got to Sirius, Artie took a, you, you, you saw, like you heard it, you felt mm-hmm. it. He took a really bad turn. Mm-hmm. And it made the show more uncomfortable. And I think him allowing Artie to go down that road also was a jump the shark moment because it wasn't, it wasn't funny anymore. It got more abusive. It got more. Um, it got more. More. It was almost like if he was watching an intervention. Yeah, but it was in a bad it got, way. It got in darker. Yeah, yeah, in a bad, bad way. I hear mm-hmm. all the stuff now, like the things that you you post on YouTube and other people yeah. who post. Yeah, and you go down that road, and you're like, shit. It, I knew it at then, but when you hear it again, it's like, wow, it's even worse than I thought. I think a lot of people will agree. 97 was the sort of peak. And then it went, it was, you could see the writing on the wall. I a hundred percent agree with James. It became abusive to listen to at points Mm -hmm. where you just knew that plain stupid was not plain anymore, where you just knew you're being stupid on purpose. You're doing this on purpose. 
And here's the difference between Jackie years and Artie years, uh, and, and not all the Artie years, but the, the latter half. We didn't have a wrap-up show in 97 or 90, 99 to know what was going on behind the scenes. And the wrap-up show is where you would get most of the truth because there's no one there to filter the callers, really. I mean, they could tell them they were full of shit, but they would at least get through. Howard was adamant to not most, you know, how many fake callers started in the 2000s with the KC era. And so we didn't know what was going on with the contract negotiations. And we didn't know what really too much about what Jackie was doing as much as we found out about Artie, especially after they got to Sirius. It's almost as if we got an autopsy, not just the dead body. We got to see what was inside. And that's why people started getting more into it. And then the more you saw and the darker it got, that's why people were more affected by the arty years because there was just more on the fucking cutting room floor. Now, sometimes I have to question myself and I guess say, do I think that those times, am I thinking now back then or did I think that then that this was too much? And I remember specifically, I have to put myself in that place, and he's right. I remember thinking, no, you guys have to do something. Something's wrong. You have to do something, like in a panicky way. And remember, I remember feeling that way, especially at the times when he was sleeping or um, the the teddy thing. Where did you go? And uh, he fell asleep or nodding off and just Mm -hmm. thinking to myself, why are they doing this? Why is this fun? Why are they allowing this? Absolutely. And why are they making it? And then the excuses they'd make on the wrap up show. Oh, the sugar crash and all this horse shit. When it was the clear Hawaiian to anybody with the brain. And the diet and Robin's yeah. a nurse. Like, <laughs> are, what kind of fucking nurse are you, ratchet? <laughs> Let's keep going. Yeah. Yeah. I think he, I think he had gotten his fill. He started getting a, a feeling of, of what the money was going to start looking like. Oh, uh, yeah. The big the, the cities were coming in. Yep. And, you know, for, like I said, when I mentioned when he when he went to Sirius, there's a phrase that you and I would know is that iron sharpens iron. And when he went to Sirius, there was no competition. There was no one there to compete with. There was no ratings. No ratings. So he could he do whatever he wanted. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it, it, was, it was a free-for-all. He could go by whatever numbers they say that you know, whatever subscriptions or whatever bullshit stilettos people were buying or whatever the case may be. But yeah, you know, at the end of the day, still no one, no one was going head to head with him. And I was yeah. a fan of that. I was a fan of, even though they weren't at the same time slot, I was a fan of ONA cause I would listen to them as well. Mm-hmm. And I would listen to uh, um, other, other, um, other radio personalities. But when he left the series, it just was like, Okay, he could be phoning it in. And we've been saying it for the longest. He could he could have been phoning it in for 15 years. Oh, yeah. Artie should have got his salary, and he should have got Artie's salary from 2006 to 2008. At least, I'd say 2005 to 2008, the end of 2008. Mm-hmm. There's a good four years. If he doesn't go to Sirius with Howard, Howard's not getting all those subs that he does get. It really did become the Artie show. Yeah, I mean the, the the guy was voted most popular by his staff and everyone else, so it pretty Don't much hey. yeah. that if he says it didn't bother him, he's he's fucking lying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no way. And that that, that was uh, Doug Goodstein's great idea to uh, send out an external. Uh, I think it actually was an internal, and they had to pay a lot of money for it, according to Bowie. And right. uh, when they talked about it on the wrap up show, they said it was not a cheap thing. And you got to know that that was Doug Goodstein going. Let's stick it to him. Let's right. show him exactly where he is valued, even on his own show. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I, you know, there was the, and, and there was other moments that I said was like it was balancing on on the Fonzie going over the Shark Tank. It was you know once the 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 e cameras and the uh, the Howard TV was gone once yeah. again those moments were gone as well um, completely. And mind you, like I said, I was subscribed. I I subscribed to Sirius, and I had subscribed to the the Howard TV channels, and I was I was there for a while. Yeah. But you know. You, you, Sometimes you get to a point to where it's like sometimes your heroes just become your villain and you, you just don't want to do it anymore and you're done. Brilliant. Thank you so much for that one, James. It was uh, so well put. And again, I apologize for my audio quality. I sounds like I'm calling in from a phone booth in uh, in, in Jakarta. Um, the the so any 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 thoughts on that? I thought he said it all. He you said it all. That was such. A poignant, um, poignant, plain way to say everything in such a summed up perfect way. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't even put words to how good that was. Good job. Holy yeah. Fuck. So we're going to go back to the reading. Uh, so Ronnie writes, for, writes to us from Central Europe. No, not sure exactly where, um, but uh, I'm going to say Germany just as long, a guess. Is this a long one? It is a long one, yeah. Uh, I'm going to read this one. I started listening to the show when he was on the radio in New Orleans. Um, I don't think he lasted long there as this was back in the late eighties. I then used to watch the shows on E when I graduated from high school back in 1987, I went to college and lost contact with the show. When I joined the army in 1990, I was able to catch the the show sporadically. When I was deployed to desert storm, we had guys at the unit that used to receive copies of the show on tapes from family uh, and I would listen to the show then. So, you know, and we're really dating it, guys. But that's such a funny. So that's how that's how much a show could mean to people back then. That's so incredible that they taped that, and I really think that's great because, like, I had a family that taped shows, like all the Carson shows and yeah. all the I Love Lucy shows. So I think that's amazing that somebody took the time to tape those shows because that really is how the only way you could hear them. And they sent them to somebody that was in war. Yeah. What an incredible bond yep. that must be. Mm-hmm. And to know that that would be, you know, instead of sending like, um, I don't know, um, uh, Smarties or, you know, <laughs> Kit Kats, you know, whatever right. some, you, you send them radio shows. Um, fast forward to the early two thousands, I was out of the military and I was a fan of Artie. And I used to listen when I could, when they moved to Sirius, I listened a lot. Then I worked for a company that was about an hour from my house and I would listen on my drive. I really enjoyed the show and everything that was programmed on both channels back then. I was recalled to military service in 2006, then spent the next 12 years either deployed or overseas. I used the app to listen mainly while Artie was with the show. And then once he left, it was hard for me to maintain an interest. I have had, um, serious for years mainly because i was overseas and i was able to keep up with sports i tune in from time to time but after riley and eric the midget both uh were gone the show lost it for me the show jumped for me when all of his homosexual fantasies became to the forefront (laughs) i'm just reading guys i'm not saying it this is why you made me not read this Without an arty to slow him down, it became a self-serving therapy show. The interviews bore me to no end because I hate the stupid therapy questions. I worked hard in the military and to hear a guy complain about working three or four days a week for four hours a day, making the money he does is a real slap in the face to me. 
Yeah. Oh my God. Do you know how amazing it is to hear someone that is obviously went through, you know, war. <laughs> yeah. And, so, and to, is in and doing things in his life, loves the Stern show and thinks that this guy's a fucking mental patient. Like, like Ronnie, I can't deal with it anymore. <laughs> Ronnie, I'm sure would have loved it in <laughs> in Iraq. You know, if the hardest thing he had to do was take a dead bird out of the gutter, the trough on his fucking house, the, tr- the building or something. Why? We could just have Bath go crawl on the roof. <laughs> exactly. When, when show. Okay. Like, dead bird. If he wants to be an evolved person and have a real show, it would seem to me that he would be, he should be honest about his life. Long gone are the days of waiting for them to come back from vacation and hear them talk about the things they did or their experiences. It used to seem like we were listening to conversations between friends. When there was an Artie, uh, when there was an Artie on the show, it was a show that appealed to me because there was sports talk. There were jokes made at everyone's expense. This new version of him thinking he's a therapist with that fake voice makes me so angry. I tried to listen to the interview with Machine Gun Kelly yesterday, but could not because of all the stupid questions about how he feels about his mother not being there and his dad being gone. <laughs> oh my God. You have no idea. Do you want to know what I said? I, I go, are you fucking kidding me? This guy can relate. Both of his fucking parents are alive in a nursing home. I go, and Machine Gun Kelly says, yeah, sometimes my aunt talks to me and she's like a shooting star. And I talk to trees and like, you know, and Howard's, and I go, oh yeah, Ray is going to come back to him as a German spoon and fucking Ben is a Nathan <laughs> hot dog. He can relate. Nathan, Nathan's hot dog. <laughs> Okay. Uh, it's the same stupid questions every time trying to seem like he's an intellectual that can analyze every person's life. I hate, I hate to hear the whining and complaining about working three days a week. I know that there are millions of people in the country that work every day for hours making nothing, but they do, they do it to take care of their families. So the constant complaining and w- about working in his basement in his mansion three days a week is just ridiculous to me. Isn't? Yeah. <laughs> I, You're right. I hate. I hate that he never cultivated any of the people on his staff to be able to have any type of role on the radio because of his insane jealousy of anyone else (laughs) receiving any type of notice. Everything has been bland to me for the last six years so that I just can't listen. I truly enjoy the QF site because it's nice to hear other people say the things that I have thought for years. This show could be good if he would just stop lying and projecting his homosexuality (laughs) on on every man he comes into contact with. So I listen listen sporadically. If I listen, I don't listen live. I wait so that I can fast forward through the show and try to find things that may be entertaining. <laughs> it's like, um, I'm trying to think of like a, 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 like a record, a music analogy. It's like the Red Hot Chili Peppers Blood Sugar Set Sex Magic, skipping through six tracks to get to, under the bridge yeah, and then getting, know, like, like, <laughs> give it away. It's like when Michael Jackson came out with Invincible. Oh, and God. <laughs> My life never does the same. And you did like the music video with Marlon Brando. You knew like it's not anything close to fucking off the wall. That's right. I dislike Robin so much because of her constant stupid laugh and her lack of a spine. She has had a platform for years to stand up for minorities and women, but instead she sits in the back giving him the ability to get away with the dumb stuff he says. (laughs) The whole show is a waste of time and I just have not been able to tolerate it. Well, Ronnie, we feel you, man. And we we speak your name. So, um, are we going to go on to the next audio clip? Because we got a couple left. That was so good. 
Okay, we're going to hear from Adam and uh, what he's got to say. So on the phone with us right now is Adam. Welcome to the show, Adam. Oh, thanks for having me. Just give us a little uh, idea of where, uh, sorry, when you started listening to Stern and when you stopped approximately, if indeed you stopped. Okay, uh, I started listening to Howard Stern probably around 1997. I'm Canadian, and he started in Toronto, I believe, in 97. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I should point out, guys, he did not last very long. <laughs> I'd say he lasted longer in Allison than he did in Toronto. Uh, but um, the the I think it was obscenity. I can't remember the exact reasons, but he, in Canada, he was taken off the air almost instantly because I don't know. They just I think personally, can, most Canadians just didn't like it, didn't get the shtick, and it's hard to go jump into a show anyway, not knowing anything about it, having heard it for the first time. And to get any kind of traction, pardon the th- salad expression. All right. Like, it's probably hard for Canadians to, like, think that, you know, that's not a hairpiece. <laughs> exactly. So we, uh, I heard about Howard Stern. Um, private Parts had come out that spring. Uh, mm-hmm. He was pretty popular in my school. Yeah. So, yeah, we started listening, and I've been a fan ever since. Well, until recently, actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so hence, hence the lead-in. So, so, so do you not listen at all anymore? I haven't listened since March. No, um, since the whole Mar- coronavirus and the whole pandemic. Okay. And um, <laughs> was there... So this is, you could just play this for Jennifer Vitz and say, hey, look, we've got your contract renegotiation sussed out, honey. Hey, that you know that old codger in the basement with the hairpiece that can't fucking properly fit on his head? He's not doing too well. Fire yeah, him. Exactly. In, if it, Most people, this is why we did this show this way. Everybody's going to have a different opinion of when they thought the show went into the toilet. Well, I think many people are going to say when Artie left the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yep. Yeah, there was a huge void there. There was just a big vacuum that needed filling. Um, mm-hmm. I think right... After that, around 2011, um, I noticed that there was an increase in interviews after Artie left. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some were entertaining. Uh, The majority of the interviews, they ran a bit long. Yeah. And it was like Howard just trying to attempt to reinvent himself as a great interviewer. Mm -hmm. Um, What always, like, irked me was after an interview, a caller would phone in. I use caller in quotation marks. Yeah, A caller would phone in and just praise how amazing the interview was and how Mm -hmm. awesome the guest was. And Mm -hmm. it would just drive the show to a halt. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Well, as opposed to the uh, callers from, you know, maybe 10, 15 years earlier would say, man, he was a bit of a, he was a bit of a douchebag. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Contrary (laughs) stuff or, you know, just uh, callers that he'd call. Also during those interviews, if you recall, they stopped taking any calls. Yeah, I've noticed that too, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, go ahead, Sam. Yeah, you know, because I think Ellen, she just wants a dick because she wears <laughs> pants. And, yeah, I mean, like, seriously, he's exactly right. These interviews became, these celebrities they made fun of, even if they came on the show, he didn't act like an ass kiss. He well, just, yeah, they needed him. He said for years, he used to bitch endlessly about how all they ever do is come in to on, go on the Tonight Show and they plug their movie and that's it. And then what does he do when, they ha- when he has them in? He gives, gives, them a, gives their colon a fucking tongue bath 
and lets it go. The Machine Gun Kelly, by the way, that interview, guys, which we are going to go through, and I believe Sam's going to sit in on that particular breakdown. I'm not sure. We'll probably record it next week. Um, that was almost two hours. Two I hours. I was laughing fu- two hours so with this hard. Twink. I was laughing <laughs> so hard because I was in our listening thread. And it was so bad. I literally said, LOL, LOL. I go, I am laughing so hard. I, ironically, unironically, I don't even know right now because I'm reading these comments. And this kid is literally suicidal, depressed, unwashed, stoned, smoking weed, literally through the entire fucking thing. Insane to him. He's talking to stars and trees. I was like, what the fuck am I listening to right now? And Howard, how is he directing it? Where do you get big dick energy from? I'll give, I'll, I'll, give you, oh. I'll give you an example. I didn't hear it, but I laughed hysterically oh. when Raven, God bless her, sent me this, <laughs> this little bit of a note. Because she gives me like cliff notes so that I can pull them uh, for when it comes to playing them on our show. So she says, uh, at 9.13, Wiggy uses creepy voice to ask about Tommy Lee Dick driving boat and Pete <laughs> Davidson big dick energy sex symbols name girls. <laughs> And then number two, 923, MGK says he always thought therapy was pussy shit. (laughs) Pussy shit in capitals. (laughs) He talked like he was 17 years old. I really, when, when I found out he was 30, I, I almost fucking fell on the ground. Right. I was like, there is no way this asshole is fucking 30. (laughs) He has to be 16, (laughs) 17. Number three, <laughs> just the way Raven wrote this made me laugh hysterically. Guy in a bar wanted to fight MGK. Wig says that means he wants to fucking suck your dick. <laughs> <laughs> Total silence from gay comments by MGK. <laughs> Wig kept trying to do like, yeah, I'm going to be like a tough guy thing. Yeah. I was like, and I. I go, yeah, real tough. And I just kept tweeting pictures of him in drag and fucking on David Letterman. That was just like that one. Uh, I just, I said, I put a clip in. There was some, some, some cross dresser. I don't know. He's on the, uh, he's a transsexual or a transgender on YouTube. And I, I looked for the clip. It was just called Wash Your Pussy. So the guy goes on. And he's like, <laughs> he just goes, girls, do shit, do shit. You know, them, them bad boys is stanky. You know, I don't care what you got to do. Floss them, you know, rinse them, put some Listerine in them, but wash them pussies. So he's just <laughs> sitting there saying like, what power, like therapy's pushy, pussy shit. And Howard's like, okay, so you want to be the therapist? You want to come around? So then all of a sudden machine gun is like at this breakdown point and Howard makes jokes yeah. like bad popsicle stick jokes. That yeah. totally, it was the most awkward interview. I yeah. can't wait to go through this. That one is going to be an epic, guys. We might just do that interview and just do a breakdown of that. So uh, let's keep going because um, Adam only has a little left here. And it became it was, very hermetically sealed interview. Yeah. And it was so frustrating how uh, Howard and Robin, they would just continue to talk about the guest long after they had left. And they would, <laughs> they would just tax on an extra 20 minutes kissing the guest's ass. Who had uh-huh. already who'd left the studio at this point before mm-hmm. segueing into the news. So thank you. And Adam's actually closer to my neck of the woods. And thank you so much, fellow Canuck, giving his uh and he's a Toronto Ma- Maple Leafs fan. Uh, nobody's perfect, but what are you gonna do? 
And um, and a congratulations. Adam is now a father. So uh, our uh, QF baby oh, was born. Yeah. yeah. Good yeah. for you. Beth is probably super jealous. <laughs> At least you don't have to pretend you're, you're, your cat is a child. <laughs> <laughs> okay so then we have two more and that one of them is a little long one of them's short this one is from josh and it's uh josh is uh i can't recall i think east east coast united states but uh, the the audio will prove me to be retarded or not yeah well um i started listening i remember listening to it as a little kid my uh my mom would listen to it um on our drive uh, to school jesus christ how many parents have like <laughs> infected their children with this stern stuff you my mother would never have allowed me to listen to this show never if i'd been you, like younger age when he was on the air do you know how fucking hilarious this is like i'm listening to this and i'm thinking to myself oh my god you're me like <laughs> i same thing so she was a fan and uh, she still listens to this day so i was always listening i think i think i really got heavy listening to it probably in high school so i want to say like 2006 okay um, when they went over and all the the ambient noise guys he i think he's outside in the outdoors i'm not sure where but um it may maybe in the mountains i don't know but uh that's I, the, <laughs> we didn't throw that in go ahead go ahead sir. i like that he sounds like he's camping but i also love the fact that it's a total, I am in the same exact way. I started listening to Stern the same way he did. That's incredible. I yeah. love hearing that. All you young kids that were corrupted, you're early. I'm and so glad my parents were such pieces of shit. <laughs> love you. It's awesome. Obviously, you know, I was in college, I was in high school and, you know, they're talking about, you know, strippers and everything. So I was like, this is awesome. I was a big fan of Artie Lang. Mm-hmm. So it kind of all worked for me um yep. but then uh, you know as you know things started changing a little bit and wasn't listening as much i think i mm-hmm. really stopped listening i want to say 2014 okay um around there um i would go back and forth you know obviously i still had the series in my car at the time so i'd tune back in between you know listening to the jets play horribly mm-hmm. um, but um yeah so that, that that's basically i i was a long time listener and then obviously uh, um, YouTube was great because I could listen to the older shows that I really didn't listen to so I kind of have a broad range of you know from starting from the early 90s up until kind of recently sure so what would be what would you say were the two or single main reason or reasons why you stopped listening and um, you're you know and primarily the main reasons why you think it's gone into the shitter Oh, well, there's a lot of reasons for that, but I'll give you two. Um, <laughs> okay. As you know, um, I listen to you guys all the time, and, you know, uh, between you and Sam, I'm like, exactly, that's exactly what I think, too. <laughs> um, okay. When Artie Lang left, obviously, the show, you know, kind of went a little bit downward, but I still yeah. listened because, you know, it was still my dose of Howard, and he was still kind of doing similar things. Okay. Um, and then I would have to say, like, when, when, when Marcy came and... Actually, when Eric the Midget died, because I feel like he relied so much on him on his show mm-hmm. that he was basically like an employee of the show. I always felt like I was like he would pick up on him four times a day. Totally. Oh yes. For for content, and uh-huh. when that went away, it just went total like it went really gay, like more gay than usual. I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> like, is this not what I signed up for? <laughs> the gay bait and switch. <laughs> oh my god. 
he is reading my mind. By the way, um, I feel the exact same way when it came to betting. I loved betting football. Well, not me personally, but my grandmother. And I would do laundry over her house on Sundays. Mm-hmm. And she would place bets with her bookie. She'd get a bookie on the horn. She had the same bookie for like 40 years. No joke. And she would place bets all day for NFL and even college and Monday night football, the whole thing. So I love football. And she, the, the show was so fun when Artie and the whole betting thing was going on with crazy Alice Mm -hmm. and the whack packers. And I would get so (laughs) into it because, you know, I don't want to make the show go to the route that it, going now where it's like you know gay choirs singing with penises dangling and shake your penis like yeah it's not where i thought it was going you know fuck when he would get on with when bigfoot would get on and (laughs) he he, already would just riff that's what made the whack packers so much fun for me Artie's interactions with them so bigfoot be going on he goes uh, howard goes uh who the who the broads and he goes, yeah, it was a good day yesterday. <laughs> filled Is... up the van, filled up the van. I did. <laughs> I bought the chloroform. It was <laughs> put right. it on the napkin. <laughs> Shoved it on her be... mouth. <laughs> <laughs> he would be, he would be nice to Alice, and Alice would be like, "Aw, you know, baby, I, 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 I know, I know." And he'd be like, "You, <laughs> <laughs> fuck you, fat Alice." <laughs> fucking kidding me fuck you bitch <laughs> and then after at the end fuck of the call you, I, I loved it at the end of the call you go have a good day <laughs> just calm right down <laughs> say 10 she go bye bye take care love you little benji he had the perfect cadence for every whack packer even jeff the drunk yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whenever a turn it called must be something bad <laughs> I love Artie. All right, let's let's let Josh have his say. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with it, of no, course. No, no, there's nothing wrong with it. But you know, I, I wasn't listening to like OutCube or anything. I was listening to Howard Stern. Show. <laughs> <laughs> it went from throwing baloney on strippers' asses to you know cocktober, and I was like, this is really not my type of thing. Nothing, there's anything wrong with it. But <laughs> oh yeah, right. Jumping the shark in this case doesn't necessarily mean when you stop listening because you could still think the show is crap and listen anyway as i know a few people that do and also but i say when did you think the show precipitously dropped in complete quality and never recovered so for a lot of people that's way earlier yeah a lot of people think it might be the jackie years when he left Um, Mm -hmm. but i I would say the jump the shark moment was when Artie was off the show there you go baby team baby gorilla get like racking up win after win after win how incredible is it that we have such a diverse audience with literally all over the entire, not only United States, but Canada, elsewhere, who have heard this show at different, not only points in their life, years mm-hmm. of their life, mm-hmm. and they all seem to land on Jackie and Artie, like yeah. their departures, yeah, and how they were treated and staff treatment. Well, people had asked me to check out the um, the thing that Royce put together with Stuttering John and Billy West and Jackie, and I listened to the whole thing. I watched the whole thing, rather. Finally, the he let, just let it. The clinking ice? 
Yeah, yeah, drinking, yeah, drinking uh, consistently around two recover, recovering alcoholics. Yeah, way to go, John. Uh, you're you're a real mensch, mensch. Um, so, but at any rate, I listened to it, and there's not a whole lot in there that I think we need to go over. But I did find it kind of amazing that there was a. They did refer to the article that was written up as when they went to Dallas. I think they were syndicated to somewhere in Texas. I think. And there was a write-up that basically said the real shining gem of this show is Billy West and Howard couldn't fucking take it. Like, he tried to poo-poo it. And I'm sure most people thought it's fucking Billy West. So the idea that he couldn't let other people shine, that seems to keep coming up again and again. And why wouldn't it? A talent is talent. If you can't admit it, even if you're the host of the show, then there's a problem with you. You don't realize that it's making your show look great. It's still you. But you can't... It's your show. If you can't... If you can't incorporate people that shine a light on something that you love yeah, and make it better, there's mm-hmm. something wrong with you. Absolutely. Um, this next one is from uh, Dennis DeMarco. I, I, I was not going to forget this, because it was, but it was very short. So it's really short and sweet, and I'll explain it. I wanted to record with him, but it was kind of touch and go. So Dennis, this is from you. Hey, Fillmore, I put a lot of thought of this, and I think he jumped the shark the day he stopped taking random phone calls. There was an excitement when we never knew what a random caller would say. Now, sadly, that is all gone. And... Man, brilliant. I, I wouldn't, I didn't even think of that one. So that one goes on Dennis, but I think other people sort of touched on it, but not exactly. I think it went in, um, actually that is a unique one because mm-hmm. it went hand in hand with the loss of Jackie because yep. Howard stopped responding to phone calls in a funny way because Jackie wasn't there to write him lines in response. Mm-hmm. So I think that that had a lot to do with it, but I used to love the phone calls. I think one of my funniest eras of listening to, and I remember it as a kid because watching the OJ trial is Mm -hmm. the Gilbert Godfrey when he would come in and they had him go out on the streets as Dracula (laughs) Dracula Godfrey. (laughs) And like, just, I, I can't, could you imagine now Gilbert Godfrey going out and being like, what do you think of the cops who shot Brianna Taylor? I mean, holy fuck but in, shit. But he'd going be, like, do you, be... do you think uh, OJ is innocent? Oh my fucking Christ. Could you imagine Gilbert Godfrey in Dracula makeup going out and being like, what do you think of the police officers who sat on the neck of George Floyd? It'd be like, are you and this is what they did. That's how crazy edgy it was because I'm telling you that time period. And you know, as well as I do, was crazy pants. I mean, you're coming off the LA riots and you have Gilbert Gottfried roaming the streets in Dracula makeup for the Howard Stern show asking if the wife, that the white wife he spilled the blood of is guilty or innocent. And that's, quote, what he said. Yeah. Well, there's there's a bunch of Gilbert moments, but my two favorite was uh, when uh, Al Goldstein, the, the, Al Goldstein's lawyer called in, and then he started doing Dracula Godfrey to him. But also, <laughs> um, he, he said, he goes, and I can't say it, but release that, <laughs> release that guy. <laughs> you must let that fat Jew go. Because he was in, um, uh, the guy, Al Goldstein was in um, 
was on, he was being tried for obscenity or something like that. And, um, he was giving Gilbert shit. And then Amy Heckerling's nanny called in and he was doing Holocaust material. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> He's going like, I, I bet your parents didn't eat this good in Treblinka. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Awful. Only Joe Gilbert could do. He goes, Igor was a Jew. He stands crooked and his young. And she calls in and down. she goes, I've never. <laughs> Those are the real days, man. The last clip, and we're going to play it, is not last but not least, Wayne, my buddy who does our radio karate show. And um, he um, has a couple things and, and, and very different from everybody else as well. So uh, let's hear from Wayne. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to hear from one of my buddies, Wayne, who also does radio karate with me. Shameless double double plug, guys. Sorry, let's plug. And Wayne, how you doing? Good, thanks. When did you first start listening to Stern? I started listening to Stern when he came on in Boston on WBCN. And when he first came on in Boston, they did it at night. It was a replay of the morning show. I love Wayne's voice, by the way. It's so distinct. I love Wayne's voice. He's got that Boston accent. It's really nice. Right, it's not a it's not a put on at all. And they'd replay it in Boston at night, so it was good because I could put a tape in, and I used to record them and bring them to work the next day to um, to listen to them while I did my work. So I never missed an episode. I still have like a crate of tapes from when I used to record them because I saved everything. That's uh, that's between him, Deborah, one of our new listeners. Hi, Deborah. Uh, we we you uh, would have been on this as well, but uh, next time it's okay. Um, and Dennis DeMarco. There's tons of like fans that have uh, fans of our show that have all of these like like this this contain this shipping container full of stuff like swag and um uh, Dennis DeMarco put up like the um he had the what do you call them the theater cards for private parts theater he, cards like, shitloads of them that you could you know and, were... and uh, he had photographs of like personal appearances with these yes. people by the way, anyone else like Boston accent, like you immediately think when you hear it, I'm just like, give me a, a Long Island iced tea, Pat Benatar on a jukebox, and let's see what happens. <laughs> it's like <laughs> so, great. There you go, Wayne. And I was like a super, super fan back then when, you know, when the show first hit Boston. Mm -hmm. And so let's go with the, the next question. When would you say you stopped listening for good if you stopped? Okay, the, the final straw was the Robert Plant interview. And that, that was like, that was it. Like a, By the way, we are going to do a walkthrough of that. <laughs> we must do a walkthrough of that. Why do you, you want to kill me? <laughs> uh, that was just so, so awful. And I felt bad for Robert Plant to the point where it's just like, just get up and leave. Just walk out on this idiot, you know. And, and, he, did. and that, he did. That was the last straw. What would you say was the absolute like the the apex of the show where it just went downhill after that um well first first was the divorce it, it that was like the first kick in the balls um thing things changed after that um then the next thing was um billy west leaving and then jackie leaving after that made it even worse but i still i still stuck with it and then um the next thing was um you know like it got a little bit better when Adi came on but um, the thing that made me, I used to do like a listening thread, like uh, uh, the original one on like the, it was, um, oh, wow, what was it called? Uh, uh, rubber, the rubber, Radio. rubber Room? Yeah, the Rubber Room. Yeah, Rocky's yeah. Rubber Room. 
because yeah. we went from the pirate. It was the pirate Stern group, and then we went to Rocky's Rubber Room, and um, and you know I was a regular on there as Honky Donkey. I kept that name because that was the first episode that he had in Boston. That was where I got the name from. The one. Oh of the my bit. God, he's he's that. What? He's Honky Donkey. Yeah, it's Honky Donkey. You didn't know that? I didn't know that. I'm so happy right now. Yeah, no worries. No. That show. So mm-hmm. anyways, um, it, it got to the point where, see, I'm from Massachusetts, so John Kerry was my senator. Wiggy comes on the air, and all of a sudden, you know, he went to the well too many times with his victim card and said, um, oh, George Bush is after me. He's going to get me to pull off the radio. You got to vote for John Kerry. And, and you know, George Bush put, there's a bill that's going through, and Bush is going to vote for it. So you know, because he's my senator, I can go and see access, you know, I mean, anybody could actually. So but I just went to his website and looked to see how he voted on different things. And the same bill that Wiggy was bitching about, John Kerry had already voted for. Mm-hmm. He already voted to push it through. Mm-hmm. And, um, so it didn't matter if um, Bush voted for it or not, because his, his you know, it, and it just got to the point where it's just like, you know, it, it wasn't even a, a um, you know, a political thing with me because I'm, I'm a libertarian. I don't care about either of the parties. You know? Yeah, go ahead, Sam. That is so incredibly funny because that just shows what he doesn't know about politics. Absolutely. He doesn't. He has no fucking idea. He mm-hmm. has no idea what senators do, what Congress does, what anything does. He's a no. fucking moron. Right. I mean, and the whole uh, the run for governor uh, was bullshit because he claimed he had to release um, his financials. He didn't. All he had to do was say he made more than two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, which was obvious at that fucking point in his career. Uh, Stupid. And and, and people supposedly bought it. But that's that's showing you the average fan was just a fucking idiot. Yeah. Sam. Total rube. Mm -hmm. Completely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I didn't like Bush. I didn't like Kerry, you know. So um, anyways, the bottom line was that the victim thing, where it's like the president of the United States doesn't give two shits about Howard Stern. Yep. You know, and him just trying to draw attention to it. And I was like, really done with this. So it's just like I gave up the listening thread and and a friend of mine, Laura, that goes by the name Red Moon, she ended up taking over for me. And I just started going to the gym because I just didn't (laughs) used to rush home from work and, uh, you know, and, and. and uh, listen to him or whatever. And then I was like, I don't, I'm not doing this anymore. So then I just listened to it, you know, here and there, like in the yeah. car and stuff. And, yeah. and, um, but then I started to listen to it again when he went to Sirius and, um, you know, I, I had a boom, I went and bought the boom box and that whole crap. And <laughs> him and your dad have probably the same, might have the same model. And <laughs> I can't. Boom box, just all that fucking swag. Jesus. What a not, swindle. You know, I, not what doesn't work in the right, right rooms of the house. <laughs> on a clear day <laughs> put the antenna in the window and we had a um i have an fm transmitter that i put so we could hear it at the whole room and me and all my crew at that point would listen to the show yeah and um and then then you know years uh, people came and left where i work but me and the guy that's my group leader that's running the show right now while i'm home like we were big stern fans and um and we were working and we worked back to back like he sat behind me and and the, when he had the Ellen show, when Ellen came on and, and Howard's like, you know what I really like? I really like when you dance. And I just turned around and looked at him. And it's like, what the <laughs> fuck, you know? And we're looking at each other. It's like, I'm done. I said, I'm done with this. But that was, you know, that was before the Robert Plant interview. But 
I just stuck around because there was nothing else to listen to. And then a friend of mine that bailed on Stern, you know, I was listening to Opie and Anthony and all that. And then he got me listening to the Bennington show. Yep. And, uh, well, it was actually Ron and Fez at that point. So I got more into Ron and Fez and I, I was finding more laughs on that. And then mm -hmm. from there, I got in back into Opie and Anthony again. Yeah. And then, um, you know, then now it's Jim and Sam and Bennington, the two shows I listen to. So there's no mm -hmm. need of Stern anymore. There you go. I I wonder if he like he clearly doesn't feel this way. I have this distinct feeling mm -hmm. and I feel like my dad thinks he was played and it like gets him mad. Like, yeah. I feel like he doesn't like that. He liked something that was so phony and mm -hmm. fraudulent in the way like he goes yeah there's these other things to listen to so my dad is like he always sends me clips of uh co old comics mm -hmm. like a lot of tonight show clips sure. david brenner clips my uh, show <laughs> yeah or, or like um dean martin stuff yeah. oh uh, god him and foster brooks does the airline the drunk airline pilot. that brooks, might be yes. that might be one of the funniest things ever all these funny clips and I feel like he feels played for introducing yeah. me to a fraud and well, it bothers it. him. And yeah. now like I do this show and I feel like it bothers him. Not that he's mad at me for doing it, but that he was played. Yeah, of course. That's the, that's the, uh, the discard Bob D was talking about. So now let's get into our list. So we're going to go one for one. Oh. So you tell me, you start, let's, let, I was going to, let's do rock, scissors, paper, but let's not bother. You tell me one, I'll tell you one and I'll, we'll just check them off. What do you count as notable, um, jump the shark moments? Okay. Well, I said my non-specific order, jump the shark moments. And oh, I okay. Oh, oh, no. Oh, no. First, let's go with uh, what, what each of our, our moments are. I forgot about that. We're supposed to tell what we felt the, the, the time was for us personally, and then we'll go through well, the list. Oh, so I have to give my number one? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know. I... Okay. So my number one is the lawsuit. Insufferable rich fuck. This 2000, is the I, 2010 lawsuit? The lawsuit against Sirius. I mm -hmm. had my... I can't believe I did all of this shit to get all of this equipment, had my car broken into, everything else. Listen to this for so long. I don't know what's happening with Artie. You aren't mm -hmm. giving me an update. Everything. What the mm -hmm. show became the lawsuit and the complaining was yep. just as bad as how it was it when the FCC nonsense was happening. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. So my yep. number one is the lawsuit. I couldn't take it after that. I, uh, but so, and that, so that's your jump the shark moment and your, that's why I jumped the shark. And when I found what, um, certain websites were and, uh, I listened, but it was like, listened with hatred and started getting um, upset. Yeah, like you, you became ex super fan. Ex super fan started pretty much. Well, I I'd say there's parts where I started getting upset in whatever, but the lawsuit really fucking tore off the limb. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm gonna say for mine, it's not that it's not uh, groundbreaking, obviously, but. Um, I think that 
divorce uh, pr- private parts and the hype of private parts was the actual jump the shark moment. Uh, Billy West leaving was a bad thing, but after um, getting sold a bill of goods and then ultimately that's divorce time. And, but that apex from 95 to 2001, when Jackie finally left, that was the arc of the jump the shark. That was like when it started going, but I would say private parts and the overhyping and the bombing of it. And, uh, that was the, that was really the end. The fact that we found a guy, Sam found a guy yeah, at a dinner party. He was, he was paid to make the premiere look like it was happening by standing in line and making how the, that, funny how, was de- that? how desperate. And then when you find on the, um, the Betty Thomas interview on, uh, it happened in Hollywood where she said they, they actually didn't have enough people in the crowd for the ACDC concert because people fucked off. They let, they stayed for a while, then they left and they had to digitally add more people to make it look fuller in 97. That's embarrassing. That is embarrassing. So people were fed. He was a DJ in New York city and was paid to wait in line to get tickets, to make it look more happening. Yeah. That's pathetic. So, and that gives you an idea of, you know, and then, but for me, the time I stopped listening was as soon as Artie was off the show, I, I bailed, I tapped out. And then the, the, the treatment of him in that last year, year and a half, 2008, the end of it going into 2009, I was just furious. And when he wasn't on the show, even during those years, I would not listen and I wouldn't collect the clips. I wouldn't download it. I wouldn't, I didn't give a fuck because I know when he was gone, it was like a big, huge gaping hole. And then when he left for good, it just got more, you know. Yeah, so you go, so you go highlighted. through these hills and valleys with things, but when the mm-hmm. lawsuit happened, mm-hmm. when the lawsuit happened, I was like, we went through these hills and valleys with you for fucking ever. And you are going to reduce this show yeah. down to fucking marbles. Of course. Down to marbles. Yeah. And we're going to have to hear about this every single day. Like you're not paid half a million dollars. H- half a million. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Half a billion? Yeah. Yeah. At the first contract. Anyway, so let's go with the the list. So give me your first one, uh, just uh, in, in the order of their list. So it's non-specific, but I said one, yeah. the departure of Artie Lang. Okay. I've got that one. Check. Okay, I, I'll, give, I'll give you. So so I, I'll say one and you go, we'll go one for one. Billy's departure. Okay. Number two, I said Beth's introduction on the show and to the audience with her voice. Both. <laughs> okay. Uh, obviously, Jackie's departure. I said shoving Beth and her career and hotness down our throats. No longer allowed to be honest as a fan or caller in regards to the aspect of this part of his life. That one I don't have. So score one for Sam. Yeah. Okay. The next one, I, I put it down, even though I don't believe anybody would ever choose this, but stuttering John leaving the show. But I don't believe, I don't believe that's ever a jump the shark moment for anything. I think that's interesting though. I. But I'm saying, I'm saying it, it, it was definitely like a... Um, uh, uh, a key departure for him because he wouldn't shut up about it and how he treated John when he left. So clearly something was missing. And for some people that might've been when they, uh, I don't know who, but somebody might think that that's a point. That's a key point. I hate giving this piece of shit any credence, but Same. those celebrity interviews where he got on are yeah. fucking hilarious. Yeah. Um, eight, uh, number four, AGT. What a fucking jump off. Holy motherfuck. I Def- definitely got that one. Uh, obviously I just mentioned the private parts overhyping and, uh, the lead into the movie as well and the making of the movie. Cause that was like a two year 
like ass fuck infomercial for nothing for nothing P- yeah, for picture nothing. a two-year infomercial for a lifetime movie yeah and like not just the On movie Christmas. but the, sa- the soundtrack and the clothing and the this and the oh we went to this and i did that and, and like no one gave a fuck like people he just he just turned people off that thing so uh and and the divorce is around the same time so the t- divorce is 99 98 so that's roughly the same era yep Okay, number five, getting rid of all the side shows like Back Office Radio, Miserable Men, Riley Martin. Um, yep, absolutely. I uh, got that yep. one. Um, I'm going to say <laughs> censorship of the news department in the first year of Sirius when he decided I'm not going to allow people to go into my life. And even after this is two months of there will be no restrictions. <laughs> they, oh, my God. He became CNN so fast. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I said number six, the treatment of the WAC pack and the PC renaming, but not paying them any money. Nice. But keep King of All Blacks, Wendy the Retard, not allowed. Uh, absolutely. Um, this one kind of goes with Hollywood Howie, but making nice with Rosie, making nice with Chevy, all these, and making nice with Ellen, all these celeb sort of ass kiss uh, beginnings. But Rose, Chevy and Rosie, because they were during the serious years, he hadn't yet gone into the Marcy years yet. So he was already starting that little suck my suck their dicks. Well, no, but this is like the treatment of the whack pack. They, he started renaming people like, yeah, but, no. but not some people. So King of all blacks, fine. Wendy, the retard. No. Right. And, uh, yeah, I, I just never understood that. Uh, what else have you got? Um, I have the reshinding of it all. The Ellen, the Aniston, the fat mm-hmm. little gross fuck known as Lena Dunham. Yeah. Okay. That's good. I got those. Um, having Amy Fisher and her husband, Lou Bellera on multiple times <laughs> and, no, and why then and, more than once. And having, first of all, having her in to begin with means he okayed her as a guest. They pitch, he okayed it. And then when she left after, she, and it's stupid, like she left, like she, she was embarrassed or something because they were talking about the porn she was there to fucking promote. I don't know how you could get embarrassed. And then when she left, Gary having all these big balls to say, you know what? I, she was leaving. I was like, fuck you, skank. You're the ones that fucking had her in. And Will called them out on that wrap up show saying, what kind of moral people are we that we had her in to begin with? So uh, God bless you, Will. Here's one for your team. I'd have to say these are less like jump the sharks and more of like crack the egg. Like we're seeing, we're seeing like the, see, so like, I think some of these can be considered like we're cracking what put these jump the shark moments. Yeah. That's a good one though. But I'm saying like within, uh, within, within the, you know, the serious years, that was a big one. I think I, for some people, yeah, go ahead. One for me, and this is a big one. The animal rescue shoved down our throats. Fakeness. <sighs> the man who never gave a shit about animals now needs money for him and his wife to be activists and mm-hmm. have a separate entity. Yep. Absolutely. Like Bianca's furry friends. Are you fucking tax crooks kidding me? There's a couple of uh, overhyping years, and I'll, uh, Wayne touched on this with the FCC bullshit in 2004, but then 2004 to 2006, the lead-in going up to Sirius, and the eh, 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 
and then uh, talking about censorship for nonstop and the FCC and the Janet Jackson bullshit when he was losing markets left and right, if only for not for Les Les Moonves gave him like nine extra fucking uh, stations so that he wouldn't lose money in the deal. Um, but that was, I know it turned loads of people off and that's when, and Opie and Anthony at the same time running, that cost him a lot of listenership because he wasn't funny during that time. A lot of it. And, and also too, here you go. So Opie and Anthony were fired for their St. Patrick's day debacle in, I believe it was 2002. So they were contracted to be off and paid just to not compete with Stern. Mm-hmm. literally to not yep. compete with Stern, Stern for that St. Patrick's Day fucking debacle. Yep. And Stern said, how stupid are they to go to think you could have sex on a church, sex in a church? And Robin's like, well, you know what? They were sponsored by Samuel Adams and all these other people. Do you know what dumb fucking shit they got away with in their lifetime? And they have the nerve to say this shit mm-hmm. to Opie and Anthony. Yep. It was... That was another, in hindsight, now that I was a huge fan of them, when now looking back, I would have been done with them before they ever got serious. Speaking about Opie and Anthony, the censorship that we found out about when he goes on with with, uh, Sean Hannity and explained that, oh, I don't care about freedom of speech. I care about my freedom of speech. For a lot of people, that would have been a deal breaker. And they would have said, what kind of pussy has to censor? Do the same thing that Imus did to him, but he's doing it to other people. Well, they also did it with people who were on the show comics. So Florentine said to me, Stern never gave him shit about going on ONA because he was friends with Jim Norton. He was actually roommates with him. Yeah. yeah so right. he never gave him shit about it. But right. other people he gave shit to. Yeah. About you're doing their show. Yeah, absolutely. But you're that's, doing my show. That's what, why he had he had Bill Burr in one living. time. He had Bill Burr in one time and then never again until he got big. That's what kind of a comedy fan fucking Stern is. Sorry, guys. Um, I got one here. Um, <laughs> some Fridays, <laughs> which then became oh. some Thurs- no Thursdays and no Fridays. Uh, I know a lot of people when they got to Sirius and found out that he was completely taking them off. The people were on the, the Friday show were just savaging him. They were saying like, fuck him. He, he said he's going to take some Fridays off. Now we find out that this is the replacement show. Fuck you. He literally is a Senate fucking seat or a yeah. congressman. Like, yeah. I promise I'm not going to vote for this mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. we're going to show the tape three years later. I mean, mm-hmm. he's fucking such a liar. I said the Marcy Turk grift where. So, so getting things done, Marcy Turk. Yeah. Like. I didn't know it at the time, but in hindsight, now when we did the uh, whole, summit. you know, 2013 summit, it's yep. so obvious where the cards laid. So that yep. was definitely a jump the shark. Absolutely. I'm going to go with uh, the merger overkill over bullshit in 2007 when he wouldn't shut the fuck up and it was clear he was going to benefit from a merger, but claimed, you know, it's not going to, you know, I don't have any money in this, but he totally had money. Like he was hoping for... The subscribe okay. bonuses, and that leads into the lawsuit. But he wouldn't shut up about that fucking merger. It's it ties into the lawsuit, and it's yeah. also such a goddamn fucking lie. It's not even funny. So sure. picture you sign a contract, and you have no uncertain terms of you're going to have 
a certain bonus if you meet a subscriber thing, but you yep. also have stock options, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So these stock options, which you have so much of, other people are now involved with this because of it's a public company. They're involved with these stock options. So could you imagine if he sells these stock options, mm -hmm. buys that fucking palace in Florida, what that would yep. do to the stock, right? Absolutely. He dumped it as soon as he could. A year after getting what? the stock. As soon as he could, he dumped the stock. And then bitched that Sirius <laughs> wouldn't make him a partner. That's what the faith he showed in the fucking company and then sued them. And they're still and hiring. And then sued them. And yeah. then sued them. Yeah. It's, 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 it, it, them. Yeah. That's where well, I'm like, financially, I can't even fucking believe this motherfucker. This one is huge for a lot of people late stage, not lifting a finger to help Scott Salem's wife who is dying of cancer and people finding out about this. So I give credence to this, especially for people who were listeners after the Artie Ling time and maybe even late Artie Ling. Mm-hmm. This was a huge one, especially if you read um, the, uh, I guess you, you would say. Uh, the scuttlebutt, the gossip about it. Not the scuttlebutt. They had a, a, a GoFundMe. Yeah. So the GoFundMe was so sad that was written for her. Mm -hmm. I was shocked. So I think this has a lot of credence for the later Stern fans and even now. Uh, the, so this is what it says on a post. These quotes can be found through Scott's GoFundMe, which was never mentioned on the air. No mm -hmm. official statements have been made by Howard or Scott regarding his disappearance from the show. True. Stuttering John alleges Scott the engineer went to Howard for money during his wife's cancer battle with... Um, I'm not going to go into the details of her cancer. Howard declined... Scott then went to Marcy and asked if it was okay to start a GoFundMe. Mm -hmm. Marcy said he could as long as he doesn't call himself Scott the Engineer or say that he's from the Howard Stern Show, yep. which is true because the GoFundMe exactly is like that. And I mm -hmm. had it and I donated to it. Yep, after, Scott mm -hmm. after Scott raised the 50000 they moved him to another floor and banished him from the show. Yep. When Scott's wife passes away, Howard doesn't see Scott. Instead, he sends him a two-line email, I'm sorry for your loss. Beth and I will be donating to a cancer charity in your wife's name. Right. Somewhat recently, someone here alleged that there was a blow-up at the Stern Christmas party, which led to Scott being let go by Sirius for good. Scott apparently brings a female friend to the party, and she makes the mistake of using her phone to take a video of Howard giving a speech. Marcy spots this and gives a bit of a tongue lashing while demanding she deletes the video. This sets Scott off, who yells at Howard for being a terrible friend and only caring mm -hmm. about that cunt Marcy. Scott's mm -hmm. wife was diagnosed with two types of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in 2013. She underwent yep. chemotherapy. Uh, well, it was horrible. I mean, I can't, I hate reading the details. It's, of a, long, it's a laundry list of horrible, so the, uh, of, so of, then of here, guys. So after, so, so in 2015, the cancer returns and this is when they were doing the whole Scott sad songs. They were making him sing 
all these awful fucking sad songs. I'm nope. sad. Cloud, knowing, Black knowing, knowing what the fuck was going on in his life. Not only that, but they had him come in and this was during this time. Mm-hmm. And he said he had a particularly bad night with his wife and didn't get mm-hmm. any sleep. Right. And Howard berated him and said, do you know of any worse of a guy who has a worse life? When his wife is sick with cancer, can't control her bowels, mm-hmm. is deathly ill and in pain. Yep. That's the kind of monsters these fucking people are. And that's so why. Anyone who thinks that we're doing the show for anything other than y- you shouldn't pay this person a penny. No one. Yep. And if you did hate him, you'd be, you'd be, you'd be, I'd be understood why. Um, let's, so then he, uh, yeah, go ahead. So then Scott describes the side effects of it. Out of nowhere, she started to lose her balance, kept falling, and her arms and legs got numb. The oncologist described it as temporary neuropathy caused by chemotherapy. We were shocked. Yeah. She had no idea, blah, blah, blah. And basically, the insurance covered most of the expenses, but because mm-hmm. of the private nurses and nurses' aid, and the fact that I had to work, we're not covered. We drained yeah. our savings. We drained our checking and went into considerable debt. And that was yeah. quoted by Scott. Yeah, it was, pa- it was palliative care that really did him in. Not the, like they might have been insured, but only so much. And that was, once that was gone. And so, and we found out subsequently that Howard's gay cousin, Stacy, who he talked about a bunch of times on the show and how much he loved them, died penniless, had to give up his uh, catering business with his partner and did a GoFundMe and Howard never fucking donated. If he did, it was anonymous and it was for, you know, like less than a hundred bucks because that's, and the kind of money he has, he could literally lose a million dollars in the, on the street and not notice it was gone. That's how oh, much money he has. Fucking kidding me. He noticed Machine Gun Kelly lost like four thousand dollars in a glove box and he right. thought it was the end of the world. He does it. He's such a he and has I will, no idea of humanity. And I will tell you guys, I lined up an interview when we were at the old place, I lined up an interview with John Max, who is Jay Leno's monologue writer, and he also writes for the Oscars and Emmys and all the, you know, the different award shows, joke joke writer, like Bruce Valanche, but you know, married the wife. And, um, he, at one point he and his wife were in, I think Vegas, if I'm not mistaken. And she suffered, I think she, I can't remember exactly what it was. She got, a, she suffered a stroke or cause I have his book, but it's been a while since I've read it. Uh, but at either rate, she was debilitated. She had to be airlifted. Jay Leno paid to have her airlifted by a helicopter to a local, whatever the hospital was that they went to paid for her stay had like a car arranged for them to go like a rental car to take them wherever they need, you know, like a delivery, you know, uh, sorry, tr- like transportation basically yeah. and, and continued to pay him. And this is he, completely out of pocket for Jay Leno and did not have to be told this shit. He just literally did it. That's the kind of person, uh, you're working for that, you know, and making way less money for, a network TV show than Howard was making for his fucking radio show and still managed to do this for his, you know, for his, you know, staff. So when the Jay Leno hate, I never understood because I, I never heard, uh, an employee talk shit about Jay Leno. Like I've heard people talk about Ellen or Wiggy. Listen, I understand when it comes to like being not, uh, funny or edgy, like as a mm-hmm. comic on a late mm-hmm. night show, I understand yep. that point. Yep. And he's no Carson. 
No. So I totally get that. And I like Letterman on his own before. Mm-hmm. Like, just he's a quirky kind of person. But okay. Jay treated people good. Oh, it, it, the, you'll never hear a worker talk shit about him. And uh, it, there's loads of stories. You look it up, guys. It's all it's all provable. But at any rate, so I was going to get an interview with him and to just to illustrate the difference between the work environment and then get Stuttering John to explain. But meanwhile, John re- released in, a, in his book exactly how um, there he was treated at the Stern Show. And at one point, we may do a little deep dive into his thing because we did promise we were going to do that. But uh, it's just a, an amazing stark contrast between types of bosses. Um, one of mo- one more of mine was the gift descriptions. Shilling oh my god! On the show. And it's a minute long clip on YouTube. You could still find it. One of the oldest clips out there. And I, I don't think that was a, a jump the shark moment, but it definitely was cringeworthy on a, on a level of Jackie talking about the hotel, the Cardozo Hotel, whatever, plugging a hotel so he could get like a half, like a free half a night's, like half price on a night stay or whatever the fuck it was. And I just remember them ragging on staff for like, yep. you're, you're taking advantage of me. You're getting into clubs or you're getting into red carpets yep. or you're getting into hotels, whatever yep. it may be. Just the fucking lynching he would do for these fucking employees. Mm-hmm. And then he verbally slamming them. Beth is getting on gift subscriptions. It's basically <laughs> magazine subscriptions. Like that's Actually, it. She, it's like she may as well have been sa- selling Avon. <laughs> I mean, what is it? I really believe in this product. You're selling magazines. And you're you're the wife of a fucking multimillionaire. I have and- to do this for my kid every year. You know <laughs> what I mean? She goes to Catholic school. They're yeah. like, here's some fundraisers. fundraisers. Yeah. Yeah. Bake sales. I, I'm famous. <laughs> so okay so uh have you got any more there's i only have about one or two left nope i'm done okay um the turning the wrap-up show into the he hit it out of the park gear show oh that's a very good one fake callers during the kc era that were subsequently like they were basically they came up with angles to have like outrageous people on the air and it was all bullshit like the suicide call i think was bullshit that was pre kc uh, he where, said that he said that it was okay so and then later on like certain things some people believe the golden palace uh, plug by kc the 300,000 he supposedly lost uh, is is just a plug for golden palace um i i'm not i'm 50-50 on that it could've been because that's the year of the height of bullshit on the show, not the height, but near the top of when it became really bad. And, um, let's see, sub censoring of Gilbert and then the subsequent banning of Gilbert off the show. That to me too, I should have included that. That's the worst. Absolutely. Crutching on Eric, the midget and Riley, who I loved. I fucking loved Riley and, and having them on for literally 40 minutes a show and not paying them a fucking nickel. Uh, playing their clips instead of actually doing something and uh okay enabling already uh oh and then also the beth song bullshit and the wedding overload garbage that year they that they finally fucking got married and having to hear all about it that oh was... my god it was worse than the full house episode of like john stamos and fucking <laughs> back you know becky and jesse i yeah. it was just horrendous but i will say the um the Riley Martin thing was good up until he started mistreating him so badly. And then it was like, what the fuck? Just pay the guy. You're rich. Yeah. 
It's it, it's incredible. It's really really unbelievable. Um, so I I think uh, there's guys. If we've missed any, feel free in the comments to write down what you believe um, your jump the shark moments were. Uh, we more we'd love to have them, especially on the Podbean app, which a lot of people don't realize. Uh, you, it's strange. You can't leave comments on a, like the Podbean. Uh, site on the website but if you have it on your phone you can i guess they're just trying to encourage people to use it on their phones more than anything but um how do people even listen now if it's not for a joke that's what i don't understand like we're hate listening this is the purpose i've got clips on clips on clips i can't even tell you how many fucking gigabytes of material i have and terabytes of stern shit that i will never you know that will probably never see the light of day but we're doing it for the purposes of this show who's entertained by this show who doesn't think who's who who was okay with that whole scott salem thing who was like who signed off and said yeah so what it's just his worker fuck him what are you supposed to do pay for every worker robin if, you know what i will say with all of this jump the shark shit mm-hmm. we have to properly give robin like good job you just sat through all of it you do, you know, you give your little fucking digs where you can, but you're just a fucking complacent piece of shit. Yeah, she's she's complicit, absolutely. And for me, the already the enabling of already is something that we'll go into another time in a long in more depth in another show. But that was absolutely one of those times, some one of those times where I, whenever people would call him, when Norm on, went on Adam Carolla's show and said they're enabling him and they're you know they're he, they're complicit in it, and um, I was like right on hold their fucking feet to the fire. They are absolutely responsible for uh, not taking uh, response. They're responsible for not taking responsibility for their own inactions, which have consequences. And they did. So uh, it really gets me upset because I love Artie to death. And um, I, 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 uh, yeah. And we don't, we don't, um, we don't like vultures of people who pick on his sobriety and try to, I don't know, make it, entertainment if he is or if he isn't clickbait and all this bullshit just to get some cheap uh cheap hits no it's it's bullshit um and uh guys we thank you so much for sticking with us through this and uh, i'm not sure when this will see the light of day but as soon as it does you'll get to know via our youtube channel and on facebook and um we're on twitter I've been banned from Reddit <laughs> for using a word I shouldn't, but I'll find you another. got banned from Reddit. That's right. Yeah, just the new that was a brand new account too. Not banned, but from the Howard Stern thread. So I'll I'll have to the Howard Stern group. So I'll have to make another pseudonym and and get back on there and learn how to work around certain words. But uh, uh, and Facebook's doing Twitter, it now. Reddit. I had my Twitter ban. So. Yeah, yeah, it's it's all social media, guys. And one of my friends. It was all about like violent or threatening speech, but it wasn't at, directed at anybody in particular. And it was still like flagged by some algorithm on Facebook. My buddy was livid because he's like, I, you know, not that I care about Facebook, but this is how I plug my writing. This is how I plug my books and everything. So kind of you have to do it. And I said, well, you got to work around it somehow. Just be, you know, yeah. kinder. Anyway. Thank you guys so much, and uh, we hope to see you on the next one, because after this, we are going to go into a breakdown, and then, of course, the um, 15 Foundation, which promises to be a lot of fun. Oh, fuck. I can't even wait for this. Can you <laughs> even imagine? I, I'm just thinking in my head all of the iterations that it, 
everything that it was, it became like she's a co-chair and she's being honored to now she has her own foundation. It was incredible. Scenarios. And, uh, fucking count- some chef kids. <laughs> I was like, what? I will I will count on Sam to do her due diligence and get all the financials because there's uh there's so much to that story that and it it lasts for it's about a year's worth that we're gonna try to condense in one or two episodes. But by the end it's it's really staggeringly horrific the way um that thing all went down and then how that was just swept under the carpet. There's almost no mention of it after a certain point. So anyway, uh I'm looking forward uh, to that. So yeah, go ahead, Sam financials you don't have to include this or you can but the bianca's furry friends became beth's furry friends after i sent a foyer a request for the the financials yeah of why let's change the name why isn't this being done like why isn't this being built and then it was built half-assed somewhat opened fine but this was after I sent it and then they changed the name, but the name on the thing and the building and the sign is Bianca's furry friends. But now legally it's called Beth's furry friends and she wow. had to change the webpage and everything else because I requested, give me the details of where this money is going and how much money came in from all of these people for all wow. of these years, and this is all they've done. Yep, incredible. Don't fuck with Sam when she gets when she gets the paper on the paper trail. She's gonna <laughs> be like a regular Jimmy Breslin. Oh, this isn't <laughs> over either. <laughs> all right, guys. From uh, from both of us to you. Stay safe. We love you. Take care, and uh, see you on the in the Facebook group as well. Uh, this girl has father issues. So he's clearly a mad Irish drunk, uh, and uh, we she don't has, know, we don't know that she has dyed black hair. Um, she's goth. She's like uh, the fat gay guy son on The Sopranos. <laughs> she's probably shit in the gym shower several times, and she tells Levy this on the computer, and Levy goes, "Oh, oh it's perfect, perfect." 